Hello, slasher listeners. This is Stomp, a.k.a. Stomp Machine. This week, we are handing off the glorious microphone to Stosh, the host of ITL, the Catskills Mountain Podcast. Watch as he flips the script or flips the table on Mike and Stomp and peppers both of them with questions. Hmm, sounds curious, but exciting. So let's see what happens. Honestly, Stosh, you know what's like the the drinking is not the issue. To me, it's like right now is where I would grab the bowl of pretzels or the bowl of Cheez Its. (laughs) Nachos. You know what I mean? Like, nice. It's so hard right now. Like, I'm pivoting into like a diet and trying to lose a little bit of weight. And it's it's that like witching hour right before bed where (laughs) I'm so like, oh, I could use something to eat. Let me eat a a whole tub of ice cream. Well, you know what I've been into is Cheez-Its lately. They have these Cheez-Its that are like, they're cheesier Cheez-Its. So they have like the Doritos powder on the Cheez-Its and they're so good. That's what's torturing me. The beer doesn't bother me. That's what you got to get up in the uh, up in the high peaks and stuff like that. You got to get some cheesier Cheez-Its and just I know. load I yourself. I feel guilty when I'm hiking. I, I can bring that food along, but not tonight. I'll do uh, Mike's, Mike's signature trick here. I'll, ready? Here it goes. That's Mike's signature. Oh, yes. Yes, yes I forgot to do that with my Ostrom. Sorry. <laughs> I, he does that. You know, you do that really good. The, every time that I hear that, I'm just like, man, I'm jealous. Yeah, I just put it right under the microphone. It goes. I'm jealous. <laughs> Broadcasting from the Woodpecker Studio in the great state of New Hampshire. Welcome to the Inside the Line, the Catskill Mountains podcast, where we discuss all things related to hiking and terrible podcasting in the White Mountains of New Hampshire and the horrible state of New York. Now, here are your hosts, Mike and Stomp, and somebody that you probably don't even know named Stosh. Guys, your, is this your first podcast, guys? First time. Yes, it is. <laughs> first time on the on the receiving end, basically. That sounds horrible, but... I don't have to do any work this time? Is that what's going on? You do not have to Beautiful. do any work. Okay. This is a dream come true. Come on. No way. <sighs> nice. So, guys, I got, a, I got a big question. You know, I ask a lot of people this, and, uh, you know, my wife and I are planning... Uh, trips later on. We always like to go on some crazy, crazy trips. Um, we're planning to go on to the Grand Tetons and maybe Yellowstone and stuff. Um, if nice. you guys had one place to go to, like in the world for free, anywhere, what would you be your, your, your first spot? All right. I'll go first because Stomp is dithering around shooing <laughs> Daphne away. So I would say, you know, I thought about this a bunch. So like, um, Definitely some of the national parks in the U.S. are of interest to me, but I think I would probably say like the high huts in Europe, like that section between Italy and Switzerland, um, doing like a sort of a high hut tour. 
there and maybe even trying to combine that with like doing some hiking and then maybe seeing one of the grand bicycle tours in Europe. So that would probably be my top of my list. And then in second place would be like the <laughs> trek to base camp in Nepal. Oh, that's a good mm-hmm. call. Nice, That's nice. Cool. Yeah, the, the glacier stuff is absolutely – Switzerland looks fantastic and stuff like that. Anything in Italy, uh, the Dolomites and stuff. Exactly, yep. Nice. Mm. Stomp. Yeah, I would um, probably revisit some of the um, the, the tracks I laid um, in Central Europe back in the day. Like um, Austria blew my mind, um, Germany, um, northern Italy. I was like, the mountainous regions of these areas are so incredible. I would probably just – do a redo and check it out again. Uh, as an older man, it's like I had a um, I had a goal of getting down to the Greek Isles when I had the opportunity to travel in Europe, and I skipped a whole bunch of stuff because I was just a kid. I was like, I just gotta get down to the Greek beaches and whatever else. So I had a different mindset back then. But I would slow it down and and hit those mountains again. Nice. Some amazing nice. stuff in Europe for sure. Yeah, and I've got I've got my uh, my daughter graduates college next year or two years from now, a year and a half. And one of the things I may offer up to her is like a, a dad daughter trip to see if she wants to do something along those lines. So yeah, uh, it's just a lame excuse for me to go hiking, basically. Exactly, exactly. So, like, what about like any any places in North America on top of your looks? Like, we have we have Glacier National Park and Northern Cascades are sort of up there. Hmm. Yeah, my friend Tom is organized. He's he's putting in for a permit for Yosemite for us, so I may oh, be nice. doing that in September. But the other thing that really interests me, and again, I don't know if it's realistic with the snowpack this year or whatever, but the John Muir tra- Trail, I keep hearing a lot of good things about that. So that that would be something I'd be interested in. Hmm. Nice. Yeah, Mrs. Stomp and I are talking about doing a road trip and hitting the desert. Um, the desert out west is just absolutely amazing. You know, Joshua Tree. Arizona, New Mexico, um, that would be our first pick for sure if we had oh, the yeah. opportunity. Yeah, I was just out in Utah uh, April and it was oh, mind-blowing, just seriously mind-blowing the differences yeah. of uh, mountainous region and then desert, but also just the grand uh, – I'm both blown away by the grand staircase Escalante. Like that, that impressed me more than Zion actually. Mm-hmm. Just the stuff. So what about um, just to like go on simple vacation, like uh, like a, maybe a beach visit or or something like that? Or would you just keep going mm-hmm. hiking? So I, I'm a big fan of the Caribbean. So I've been a lot of different places. I've been to the Bahamas. I've been to Grand Cayman. I've been to um, Aruba. I've been to Bermuda, um, Jamaica. I, I like that region. I think for me... I am interested in maybe checking out something more in the Western Caribbean, like St. Martin or um, Turks and Caicos or something like that. I, I think I there is something to be said for, you know, there's a balance with my marriage too, because Mrs. Mike likes to sort of chill on the beach. So for me, I don't really mind doing that type of trip as long as I'm in the beach and I can go snorkeling and be in the water like all day. So for me, the Caribbean can't be beat for that. Jamaica, man. I've been there. It's Jamaica's fantastic. Jamaica's interesting. I remember um, going there the first time and it was on a cruise. So we were only there for like a day. And it is a little bit of a sort of a tourist trap where they like, you know, there's a guy that I told my kids, I was like, don't take anything from anybody. Because I had kind of known what the deal <laughs> is. But they have this thing where they'll give you 
like a free trinket. And they'll say like, oh, you, you know, have it for your daughter. Um, I think my daughter was 12 at the time. And they're like, oh, you can have it for your wife. And I'm like, it's not my wife. It's my daughter. Like, she's 12. <laughs> but they give her, they're trying to give her like a rock that's painted or whatever. And the scam is basically that they'll give you the rock and they'll say it's for free. And then somebody else will come pop out of nowhere and just be like, oh, you know, that's, you know, he's worked hard for that. You should pay money for that because it's really hard. So they try to get you to take it. And I, I told the girls, I was like, just don't take anything. And uh, it was a little bit funny that they were so aggressive. And you kind of had to like be a little mean to them back to get them to go find somebody that was not going to be mean to them. But Jamaica's interesting. Hmm. Yeah, agree. Mike, I think you were the inspiration for Kokomo, weren't you? The Beach Boys? <laughs> I think so. I think yeah, so. I think so. Yeah. Hmm. Sounds like it. Yeah. Sound, what about you? I don't have any uh, grand ambitions to, to see any you know, international beaches or anything like that. But if we had the opportunity, it's sort of funny living up in the mountains. The one thing that Mrs. Stump and I miss are the beaches. Uh, our favorite beach in the world is Crane Beach in Ipswich, Massachusetts. Massachusetts, and uh, we miss that dearly. And even just to get the uh, the salty air in your nostrils is is awesome. But uh, yeah, she's done a fair share of traveling, but I've I really have no desire to hit the beaches. The local wow. ones up here are pretty cool, and I've hit a couple up in Maine actually, which are really nice as well. Yeah, but the water is freezing, man. It is, but yeah, you know, it's like <laughs> I was surfing, so I had a nice wetsuit on, so that's a whole different ball game. But yeah, you're right; it doesn't get super warm up here. In the summers. Yeah. And Mike, I, when I went down to Jamaica, I actually went, you probably went to Montego Bay, correct? Uh, I can't remember. I think we went to wherever the cruise ships go into. Um, so I can't specifically remember what, what port that was. Yeah. We went to Negril, which on the opposite side. So yeah. it was like less touristy, but it was more of uh, like selling you weed all the time and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. we're like, no, 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 we're good. We're good. We're good. And just, it was but it was fantastic. We got to go into the the middle of the the cities and stuff like that and see, like, uh, unfortunately, the real poverty areas. And, you know, that made me realize how much we have up here. And I'm just like, man, you know, I'm living in a house that has three bedrooms and these people have like four kids and they're living in one bedroom house <laughs> making stuff off of a grill outside. Yeah, yeah. And you know mm-hmm. what the the thing about Jamaica too is I remember going there and um they do have mountains there. They have these they're called the Blue Mountains and you can yeah. hike them and you know, I think the peak is like seventy five hundred feet. So it's pretty it's pretty high up. Uh but I just didn't have the time hmm. to do it. But that would be really cool, I think, to just sort of go there and try to take a day to go hiking in those mountains. Seventy five hundred feet. Wow. Yeah, right? Damn. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, from sea yeah, level. Yeah, you don't think like that. That's Jamaica, crazy. You don't think of Jamaica as being that sort of that much elevation, but it's it's got a you know they're called the Blue Mountains, and the summit yeah. is seventy four hundred feet. Should be wow. renamed the Green Mountains because it's all like mostly three quarters of the way up is just weed. It's crazy. Yeah, true. True. We yeah, uh, mm, yeah I looked wild. into that, and uh, you you got to get kind of like a guide to go take yeah. you up there, like a Jamaican guide. And I'm just like these guys like can do all that crap on the side and hike up a 7,500 foot mountain. Like, holy crap. Yeah. It is interesting, but yeah, I would definitely get a guide and go up there and check it out. Yeah. 7,500 feet. Mm-hmm. So you guys are, you, you do, of course, the slasher podcast. Um, if you guys don't, don't already know, this is Mike and Stomp from search. Sounds like a search and rescue podcast. Um, mm-hmm. They had some 
crazy stuff that they talk about a lot um, is pop culture stuff. How do you guys like? I need to know. How do you guys watch all these TV shows? I have no time to watch all these goddamn TV shows, and you guys freaking binge on this stuff. You well, yeah, be probably more so than uh, Mike, but uh, well, maybe not. But Mrs. Uh, Stomp and I are just like huge movie nuts, and that's all we do. Like, we, we if we have downtime, that's what we do. So, yeah, we make time for it. How do you do it, Mike? <laughs> yeah, like, I'm mostly like I just plug like I'm I'm into one series at a time. Like I do love like I go from Netflix to Amazon to HBO Max, and I typically will focus on one series at a time. Like right now, I've been binging on um, Carnival Row, which is a great sort of steampunk series on Amazon. And hmm. usually, what ends up happening is like I'll go in at eight o'clock, I'll lay down, so I get up super early, and then from eight o'clock until like nine fifteen or nine thirty, I'll watch something and then I go to bed. So I got an hour and a half. And then on the weekend, sometimes depending on what's going on, I might knock off a TV show for like three or four hours. I'll just binge watch something. <laughs> but yeah, I mostly like fantasy <laughs> stuff. I like, um, you know, like I said, Carnival Row is one that I've, I've recently been watching. And then a lot of times me and Stomp will just text back and forth and he'll say like, Oh, you got to check this series out. And then I'll, I'll I'll check it out or I'll send him something. Yeah. Oh no no like my my wife and I have like no time to watch something that's like will get your interest. So we watch like horrible <laughs> stuff like Bar Rescue and Ink Masters. Uh, it's horrible. That's hilarious. It's oh. horrible. Trust me. Have you ever seen the episode for the Dutch Treat in Franconia? I was just there recently. Franconia is um the town just north of Franconia Notch, and I heard that that was revamped. For Bar Rescue? Uh, yeah, I think no so. Way. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. You might want to check it out. Uh, Dutch Treat is, it's like a notorious sort of a, I don't want to say dive bar. It's just like a, a cool little bar up in Franconia, but um, it doesn't quite fit into the vibe of that whole town. But um, and, and when I was in there, my comment to uh, my friend was, I don't think they made any changes. <laughs> really? So who knows? Interesting stuff. I seriously don't know how you guys do it. Like, like it's, it's just so crazy that you guys mm. can do that. And plus, you know, it all depends, of course, on your, your time of, of day and also the hiking, like, uh, mm. weather. Because like, if, if it's like rainy and 40 degrees, I won't go outside. I'm, I'm seriously not going to do that crap because it's just hypothermia weather. I, I can't take that. Um, and with you guys, it's even worse up in New Hampshire. I don't know how you guys, people can hike when it's like, oh, it's going to be 40 degrees and rainy. Let's go hike. Yeah, this mm-hmm. this coming up the next like month and a half, two months or so is kind of tricky. But I mostly, I try to just stay south. I stay in the lower elevations because you will get a quicker snow melt. Um, in the, we have these ranges in like the lakes region called the Belknaps and the Ossipies that do tend to melt a little bit. I think we've probably got another couple of weeks, though, of like true winter condition hiking up in the north that we'll get away with because we do have a decent snowpack right now. But it'll melt pretty mm. quickly. We'll have a few days where we'll get up to like 70, 80 degrees for sure. But I think mostly the game right now in, in the whites anyway is to stay south. Yeah. We're, we're getting peppered with more snow. We're getting yeah. like another, I think another 12 to 18 inches of snow over the next few days. Really? Up north, up north here. Yeah. So winter will be prolonged and the ski season is going to be fantastic for spring skiing. No doubt about it. Snow, snowmobile trails are starting to close down. Uh, 
But yeah, winter's just getting started now up here. It's so bizarre. But Mike's right. It doesn't last long. It melts. And, um, in a lot of trails at the moment, you're starting to see that foundational ice layer underneath. So this is when people need spikes the most and, yeah. uh, you know, traction. Daphne, you're driving me nuts. <laughs> oh, God. Executive producer. Yeah. Love it. Oh, my God. She looks at me. She's so pissed too. It's like, what? What'd I do? <sighs> you, you might hear my, uh, I don't even know my, my, my executive producers as well. Dahlia and Dexter <laughs> just oh, barking nice away. At, yeah. Dahlia, uh, was after a, a black, a, a death metal band that I listened to, the Black Dahlia Murder. <laughs> and of mm-hmm. course, the Black Dahlia Murder. And Dexter is, of course, the TV show. Oh, yeah. That's great. Cause he's, a, he's a psycho. But, um, so Stomp, um, recently, the last couple days, I've been doing my, uh, WFR, my wilderness first aid course. Man, that's, that's fun. That's fun stuff to learn. Yeah, it's great. Um, yeah, I have mine as well. It was a great experience. Um, tell me a little bit about it. Was it, um, all hands on? I went, I got mine through Solo, which is a school up here in, uh, North Conway, and they came out and, uh, taught one of the teams I'm on. And, um, it was a great experience. Like, really rudimentary yeah. fun foundational stuff to to know when you're out there yeah solo was pretty cool i got a uh we did our wilderness first aid with them like five years ago it was really cool this year really? it was nasar uh, i think it's called oh, sure. North american sir yeah they were really cool a lot of hands-on stuff the cool the cool thing of course is uh you know like massive bleeding uh like uh mm-hmm. impalement stuff like that you know uh also like right. the, the basics epipen use and and stuff like that but the the last uh kind of thing we did was um what was it like massive uh plan of attacks when you mm-hmm. know like a mass casualty happens that oh, was sure. definitely fun interesting yeah definitely looking at you know different people you know like okay sorry to say that you know but you know this person Triage. is dead let's go on to the next person who might be alive let's do cpr on her and get that person alive and stuff really different right. stuff which is something you wouldn't really necessarily see in an austere, like mountainous environment, I suppose. Exactly. Yeah. Which is interesting. So it was more like a, a mountainous austere and like urban training that you experienced. Correct. What, being located in the Catskills, we have, uh, we have situations of, uh, massive flooding. Massive oh, yeah. flooding really happens bad here because, you know, once the, the hurricanes like, dissipate they come up usually and hit our region and it just flow off the coast so uh yeah. had some massive floods up here so i mean that's that's kind of helpful for us and uh i think it's just a scenario that we haven't gone over quite enough and that's why mm-hmm. we, we went over it a little bit but everything else was was fantastic it's just you know how to stitch up someone who gets you know like a, a stick in their leg how to right you know, support it to where it won't stop, have massive bleeding or stuff like that, or you can walk them out or something like that, you know, Hmm. definitely interesting stuff. Oh, it is. You know, I, if you don't mind, I'm, I had an incident just this last weekend, uh, guiding on the snowmobiles. Um, you know, honestly, it's been super Q word up here for search and rescue. So we haven't had any activity on our Western side of New Hampshire since November, late November. And there's been nothing. But anyway, though, the, these skills that we have are still handy in other situations. I had a crash. This is a weird time of the year because the snow is so sloppy, but I had a crash and somebody 
was thrown forward off of their snowmobile coming around a left-hand turn, um, 15 miles an hour, and the person's wrist was completely dislocated. So the hand was visibly two inches below the forearm. It was just, it was amazing. So no pulse visible. You could see the carpal bones. So, you know, that's where that course really came in handy, just securing, stabilizing, and then getting them the hell out of there as quick as possible, which is the same concept when you're on trail, uh, responding to a rescue or an injury. Yep. Yeah. Damn, man. That's, that's crazy. See, that 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 training comes, that training comes in hand once in a, once in a great while, but you know, it comes in hand. It could save a life, which is insane. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. We've had a couple deaths up here actually over the last week and a half or two. It's, it's such a shame. But yeah. Those, anyway. those, uh, snowmobile accidents are no joke. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Too many of them. Way too many. Yeah. I'm surprised. You know, that's, that's crazy because we have, uh, one of those, do you guys have like kind of like long distance snowmobile trails that like go hundreds and hundreds of miles? <laughs> Yep. Top to okay. bottom, all the way to Canada, straight down the mass. I mean, it or into Vermont or Maine. I mean, it's just absolutely stunning. Yeah. Same yeah. here. And I've yeah. seen those, those trails being, you know, they go over roads and stuff like that. And it's just, uh, it's yeah. crazy that I don't hear that much craziness, you know, like accidents and stuff happen. Uh, when I'm, I'm hmm. very surprised. Hmm. Are you tapped into the, the right, um, websites or like that conservation? Yeah, I'm curious. Yeah, because here Fishing Game covers all the um, anything that happens in the wilderness and the waterways. So they they cover it all, whether it's skiing injuries or hiking accidents or you know illegal poaching, whatever. It's, it's yeah. all covered by okay. them. I have mm. to look that up. Definitely. Um, yeah. So, Mike, I hear you're you're knowing following your search and rescue podcast. I hear you're a good TikTok kind of guy. I do do um I do have a big TikTok account actually right now that uh, it's blowing up a little bit. I <laughs> I That's awesome. I got into it during COVID. The kids were into it and you know I do find it interesting. Uh but what blew me up is I I did a video of the there's a plane crash on Mount Success which is up in um up in New Hampshire, right, like by uh, Berlin and Success Pond Road. It, it was a plane crash from 1957 that's in place just south of the summit of uh, Mount Success, which is right off the Appalachian Trail. So a lot of thru-hikers will take the – it's like a, maybe a, a quarter mile off of the AT as you get up into Grafton Notch. And I did a video of that on my TikTok account, which blew up. It got like, I don't know um, – like a million views or half a million oh, views wow. or something like that. And then, you know, I do a little <laughs> bit of hiking. It's all hiking content for me is what I do. So I follow hiking content on TikTok and, um, you know, every once in a while I'll get on some weird algorithm or whatever, but for the most part, yeah, it's a good time suck. But I do have that rule. Like when I go to bed at eight o'clock at night, like all devices go away and I just watch TV. So, yeah. Well, hmm. you know, I, I recently joined this within the last month. And I, you know, I've, I've learned from your podcast that you can find some, some good stuff about, uh, the area, you know, the Catskills and New Hampshire and stuff with, with mm-hmm. TikTok, of course, Facebook and Instagram and stuff. But I found this one woman who was hiking Hockett Mountain in, in the Catskills. Now, this is a bushwhack. And, uh, her content was like, she got here and the, the trail, like, head area had no trail, like, diagram of it, it had no showing of the trail. 
well, it's a bushwhack. So, uh, of course she didn't do her research and then, uh, she got lost. She sort of said she got lost in the dark, but she found her way back, which was, which is good. So starting the, the hike at 3 PM, not knowing anything about the hike wow. and then not knowing that it's bushwhack kind of leads to, and then of course she said she followed all trails, which is my favorite excuse ever. Hmm. Um, but I, I responded. I just responded. I was just like, well, and let, just to let you know, every like place post that as kind of like a bushwhack. And then she did a video on it. It was hilarious. And she said like, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't search my hikes that are under four miles and I just do them. And I was just like, hmm. well, there you go. Oh, so you made you made a comment and then she did like a response video. Yep. Oh my God. Did you have a heart attack and be like, oh my God, she's talking to me. Well, yeah. I mean, it was just, it was so funny because I was just like, well, like, you know, if you want to get in the 3500 club, you know, that's what it is. It's, it's 14 bushwhacks. And to be honest, they're herd paths now. This is, it's, it's going to happen. Right. You know, it's just like the Adirondacks and probably was like that in the whites at one time. Owls yeah. had, you know, it's gonna it's gonna happen, but there was no there there simply is a herd path and she clearly went off the herd path and then got herself caught in a situation because all trails said to go this way. Yep. Mm. <laughs> but uh she put a response into that and it was just hilarious saying like I don't look at the stats of hikes under two miles or or under four miles. I don't do this and do that. And I'm just like, wow, I'm like, all mm. right, so that's Keep an eye on you for future rescues. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, but there is definitely on TikTok, like Send if you get it. into, like you start following some hikers, like there's some really good people on there. And we, we have our friend Matt, um, who was on the show one time and he's big into TikTok. He's done the AT and he's done the Pacific, a part of most of the Pacific Crest Trail. And I, I see him pop up every once in a while. He's got some fun content, but he does a lot of responses when people will talk. And his big thing is, is all about sort of, you know, hiking is inclusive and it's something that, um, you know, anybody can do. And he's, you know, he'll push back on people sometimes when they'll, they'll say like, oh, you know, you don't have the best gear or whatever. He's always sort of, <laughs> you know, calling people out about that stuff, which is funny. Good. Um, I'll have to, to look him up and I'll have to tag you uh, in my show notes about that sure. You're, to make you even more famous with like my three or four followers that have me. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I just thought that was, that was some hilarious stuff. I mean, if you, if you ever like search up the Catskill 3500 club, there's 14 potential bushwhacks and some of them can get you into some crazy situations. Uh, mm-hmm. Of course, uh, if you follow all trails, there'll be like 18 different trails and some people say it easy, but uh, 3000 feet of gain and 1.6 miles. is not easy. I don't think so. At least I don't think so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's funny that you say that the, uh, the trails are becoming, you know, herd paths, uh, you know, obvious herd paths. Cause I, I mean, I think we talked about this when we had you on the show too, Stosh, um, that some of these more popular bushwhacks are becoming less and less a bushwhack <laughs> just because yep. of the use and social media promoting these trails and just people looking for it. I've noticed over the last several years that, um, a lot of the places I started bushwhacking, which were like just pristine remote, just no activity whatsoever in terms of, uh, foot traffic are starting to get more, um, you know, paved in a sense, I guess. Um, yeah. and it's pushing people out further and further. It's like, we're thankful that we have this 500 highest list of mountains that fit this 200 foot prominence, um, 
threshold. And that's becoming pretty popular now. And a lot of those 500 are, are pristine. So you're not going to see that type of wear and tear like you would on some of the, the more common bushwhacks around here. But that's, that's life, I guess. Say la vie. Yeah. Progress. And, and you know, this, uh, of course, you know, I started hiking in the Catskills in like 2017. And to be honest, mm. this was total bushwhacks. This was map and compass, you know, GPS kind of stuff. It was, it was, yeah, wicked fun. And, you That's know, awesome. I, I had such a good time now. Like, I'm like, I'm like you, Stump. I, uh, love the map and compass. I love going into the land of the unknown and yeah, finding here. this massive glacial erratic that probably maybe like maybe two or three people other have seen. Yep. It just fascinates me. That's part of the magic for sure. All those hidden gems out there and they're everywhere. Um, whether it be a cliff face that you have to sort of navigate around or just, just anything random, some basin, some cascade. It's just awesome. Yeah. Mike, you're not getting into that yet. Not yet. <laughs> not yet. I, um, I've done a little bit of, of off trail stuff and, you know, stomp. I, I definitely have some interest in doing some, you know, like I'd love to get out to the captain someday and I want to get, mm. you know, poking around into the Pemi wilderness a little bit more. Uh, definitely get up to Hellgate and maybe bushwhack up the, the slide on West Bond or something like that. So I got some goals, but it's just a matter of time right now. Correct. Oh, sure. Yeah. And those, and those are ones that you can't be like, uh, yeah, yeah, this isn't going to take like three or four hours. Mm. Yeah. No, these are overnights <laughs> and long, you know, uh, some of them are overnights or either that are long day commitment hikes. Yeah. That's the beauty of it, though. Yes. That's yeah. true. It's a different pace. It's so slow. You know, half a mile could take you so much, you know, three times the time as opposed to just walking a trail. Um, yeah. It's neat. No, it's definitely neat when you kind of like uh, my wife had to go through some bushwhacks to get to her stuff and uh, to get her to her club patch that she's going for and mm-hmm. to walk zigzagging in between those those thick balsams and stuff like that. She was getting a little agitated saying like, are we on the right trail? I'm just like, we ain't on a trail, baby. <laughs> yeah, totally. That's neat. Yeah, it's a good time. So, wow. Excellent talk. Uh, welcome to yeah. episode 69 of Inside the Line, the Catskills Mountain Podcast. Uh, great to have you here, Mike and Stomp from the Sounds Like a Search and Rescue Podcast in New Hampshire. Yeah, this is great. Thanks for having us on. It's wicked cool. It's nice being in the uh, the guest seat. <laughs> That's what you guys are in right now. It <laughs> looks like it's Stomp. Jesus. I know. Uh, it's been a long Mike week. is sitting there a little like, like, little Mike, looks like you're scared. Why are you scared to be on someone's podcast that like gets 300 <laughs> listeners compared to like 1200? I'm anxious. I'm used to, I'm used to being the, um, the, the, what, what am I Stomp? I'm like the, the, the moderator the or whatever. So the Socratic yeah. method. I'm like, yeah, okay, you're, I got to keep things You're moving. the guy asking the questions, like the Socratic yes. method. Yeah. 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 You're the law teacher that's peppering all the students with the questions. <laughs> Whacking down the yards like, hey, 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 hey. <laughs> Focus. Yeah, I have to say the same thing, Mike. It feels a little weird. But it's like, feel, I feel like we're on vacation. Like, ah, oh, this is nice. <laughs> Yeah, but also same time, like like you said, you're anxious. You're not running the show, so it's I I, I feel you. I feel you. <laughs> like being on your guys' show, I was just like, the hell, am I doing? I'm leaving. I'm out of here. <laughs> no, it was good. It was good. Um, so also thank you to the sponsor, uh, Outdoor Chronicles Photography. Um, Molly from Outdoor Chronicles Photography specializes in adventure elopement and adventure couple photography in the Catskills, Adirondack, and White Mountains. 
Um, don't forget to your pets though. They are just as important like the executive producer of slasher. So, <laughs> um, she's also an officiant for getting married and a licensed guide. So don't hesitate to get a hold of Molly on all platforms. Also check out camp Catskill of the Catskill mountains down in Tannersville. They got some cool new binoculars that they have online and in the store. So check them out in Tannersville. You can use those binoculars, check out your favorite peaks, especially at this time during the winter is the best time to check out those peaks to see the different uh, rock formations and stuff like that of the different levels of geology. I love seeing that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Also check out my guys from the Trailbound Project. Joe and Scott from the Trailbound Project teach everything and anything in hiking and backpacking related. They are a backpacking and hiking related school. It's fantastic stuff, cool, fun stuff that they teach GPS, you know, backpacking, wilderness, you know, overnight camping, uh, fire starting, anything that you want to know about hiking or backpacking, they will teach it. It's awesome. And thank you to our new sponsor who's coming back from got back in the the old days scenic route guiding my friend sarah bacon lead scenic route guiding who does guiding in the catskills and the adirondacks she's a fantastic human her girls are some of the best guides that i i've i've met in my life i love their stuff so sarah thank you for supporting the show once again i gotta ask this question even though i'm gonna be disappointed mike what are you having to drink buddy so <laughs> If you listen to our last show, Stomp and I both stupidly signed up for the Mount Washington Road Race, and we both got in, and I, um, I'm on the wagon, so I'm not going to be drinking tonight. I do have my um, slasher water bottle Shame. that I'm representing, but Stomp, I did a little Shame. Uh, Foolishly, I weighed myself, so I'm weighing in at 168 right now, so my fighting or running wow. weight is like 150, what? 155. So Jeez. I got to drop about 12 pounds. So I'm already down like two pounds. So I'm getting there, but I starving. No drinking until the end of, uh, end of June for me. Did you say 168? I'm 168. Normally I'm walking. I should be walking around at like 155 is usually what I should be at. So I'm a little oh, stomp and ent- enter the shame for me. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Holy crap. I'm a little guy. That's what hilarious. You, what do you, what? Yeah. Like, how tall are you, dude? Mike? I'm like one, one. Yeah, how tall are you? I'm like five. I say I'm five seven and three quarters, but I guess I'm like between five seven and five eight. So. Oh, all right. I'm like six, maybe Damn. five eleven as I get older here. Yeah. But Stop, I feel like when I first met you, you were like one sixty five, one seventy. So yeah, one sixty five. Yeah. yeah. Now I'm two hundred, two oh five. Mm-hmm. But okay, it's, thank uh, you, Stomp. Jesus, you saved my life right there. <laughs> well, it, no, that's a whole other episode because it's it was a purposeful change in my lifestyle. It's like you know my my hips or whatever were, were sort of rough, but I wanted to be stronger for you know carrying people and this and that. And I decided to just gain more muscle mass. And Mrs. Stomp was happy. She thought I was so friggin' scrawny for so many years. She she loves me bigger. So I'm like, all right, whatever. <laughs> That's you know that's the same thing. Like Mrs. Mike says that too. That she's like because uh, I used to be a, a little bit bigger um, before I got back into running. This is years ago, but she was like, I miss Fat Mike sometimes because I would just come home from work, I'd make like a blender of margaritas and then get like a a, a thing of um, you know nacho chips and then a whole thing of um, oh, uh, queso and just crush like the the pitcher of margaritas, the ch- the bag of chips and the queso and like oh, it was so great back then. But you know, at a certain point, like I can't even breathe walking up the stairs, so I had to make a lifestyle change. 
Sounds like the uh, the beach Incredible. vacation type of mic. Oh yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> fat Mike. She called Fat Mike. She liked it. Nice. Stomp. What about you, buddy? I got. Uh, I've got a True North. Um, it's let's see, brewed on Boston's North Shore. So a little shout out to Boston. I grew up in Lynn, Mass, north of Boston, Lynn, Lynn, the city of sin. So I saw this and I was like, yeah, I'm gonna give that a shot. So this is pretty neat. It's a um, they call it a Midnight Snow Winter Black IPA. So it's almost like a stout meets an IPA, and it's really interesting. Pretty tasty, and I'm. <laughs> I'm not so regimented as Mike is um, on this one because honestly, I I don't want to drop too much weight. I want to sort of stay the same coming through this. But what I've been really focusing on is um, just really trying to amp up my cardio, which is super key for that race coming up. Um, but some, I'm not too. What's up? Go ahead. Oh, the race the race itself. Yeah, yeah. What's the stats on that? Um, 7.6 miles. It's the Mount Washington auto road, which is paved, um, fully paved now, if I remember correctly. And it goes to the top of Mount Washington, which is 6,288 feet. It's New England's highest peak. And, um, you know, I think there's like 1200 runners that, that get into a lottery or, or no get, you know, they register and get through the lottery and, um, some of the fastest runners, I think the record is 56 minutes. Uh, it's Jesus. a 12% grade at, on average. So there are some pretty stunning runners, but, um, you know, for, for myself, I mean, I'm hoping to come in around like 215 or something like that. In, in my, my heyday, I, I pulled off 150, which was pretty neat for me. Uh, but again, I'm just in, in it for the fun and see if I could do it again. Just, yeah, just like, uh, good memories. Mike, Mike and I, I think, Mike, I've done it four times. Did, did, have you done it four times? I think I've done it f- four six. Four or five. Oh, I okay. think I've done it a couple more times than you. Yeah. Um, What's the elevation you get Six at? or seven. It's 4,200, I think, <laughs> total gain. I think mm. something like that. Between 4,500. Because you're like, I think the bottom of the auto road, you're probably sitting at 1,800 feet of elevation, I would think. Right. Or maybe 2,000. So it's, it's about a little over 4,000 feet of gain pretty hefty wow. yeah definitely that's uh that's some crazy stuff i could not even imagine doing that so you guys kudos to you guys yeah it's especially for drinking tonight and not caring about oh yeah yeah you know i've been i've been really regimented though in terms of the running i'm, I'm running every second i can i i'm out at lunch doing it you know i have an hour or so on a couple of days that i'm not doing the pt stuff and um yeah i'm trying to do what i can and I've actually, I have yet to shift over to pavement running. I'm just hitting the, the snowmobile trails and uh, local trails because they're all still sort of groomed by the snowshoes. So it's a nice, easy run up. And, uh, you know, running in snow uphill is adds a layer of resistance that a road on with sneakers will not provide. So I think it's it's uh, doing good. I'm, I'm noticing the difference every day, which is something I missed with running. It's like you could... Every single day, you would be able to notice the incremental distance increases and things like that. And I'm starting to see that again, which is really nice because I haven't experienced that for many years now. So it's yeah, it's a cool adventure. Crazy, you guys are crazy. Yeah. Um, so what? Uh, <laughs> what about your your previous hikes? What have you been? What have you been up to? I just went up Mount Washington this weekend. So um, I went up the. Opposite side of the auto road, I took what's a trail which is called the Amanusik Ravine Trail. So there's a 
there is a for the folks in the Catskills. If you're not familiar with the White Mountains, there is a um, a railroad that goes up. It's called the Cog Railroad. So it goes up to the the summit in the summer, and it goes halfway in the the winter season. So you can park there and then catch the Amanusik Ravine Trail, which takes you to one of the AMC huts, which is called Lakes of the Clouds. And then from there, um, you just took, take your final push up to the summit of Mount Washington, and then we hiked down the Cog Railroad. So it was an interesting day. The weather reports were a little bit – we it was going back and forth a little bit. They had like 70-mile-an-hour wind gusts for the higher summit form forecast. So we were like, eh, it could be interesting when we get up there. When we got up to the, the hut, it was completely white out. You know, you could only see maybe a couple hundred feet. Uh, but we – you know, there was – three or four of us in my group then there were three solo hikers and then there was um a guide from redline guide phoebe and um uh, george and, and um, chris's wife were there to um sort of get get set to do the final push so we all just sort of got together and decided to head up um together as one big group so we did 10 people and then we got along crawford path maybe about 600 feet below the mountain and the clouds just, it went from whiteout to the clouds completely just disappeared. So you had this big summit cone that just appeared right in front of you, which was pretty, pretty amazing. Oh, was that your 48 finish? No, no. So I've done the 4,000 footer list in the summer. I'm working on the the winter list. Oh, I yeah. get to 42 peaks this this winter, winter, and then I just I'm going to do the next six next winter. So I just decided to do something I wanted to do, which was Mount Washington. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah, which was yeah. Great. I, I thought for some reason I don't know why I thought it was your 48 winter finish. So not yet. No, I. I um, I have two big hikes to do to finish those six peaks, and I just decided that I didn't want to do them this winter. So um, hmm. next next winter, I'll finish up. Yeah. Stomp, what about you, sir? Oh, let's see. I've been a bit, bit busy, but um, just this past weekend, I got out with uh, the missus and a few good friends. Um, Jimmy Chaga, who's a, a well-known celebrity on the Slasher podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Jimmy Jaga. Jaga. Um, so we were hemming and hawing and trying to figure out what to do. And um, I looked at the forecast. I mean, Mike, you scored it big time on that day. That that was an epic, epic hike. The pictures were amazing. Um, Sunday was a little different, a um, little more overcast and a little colder and a lot of squalls coming through. Um, so we opted to stay within Waterville Valley, which is sort of the southern end of the White Mountain National Forest. Um, it's near Plymouth, Thornton, Campton, um, for your listeners to know. And, uh, Waterville's neat. Um, it's surrounded by several of the 4,000 footers, like the Osceolas, the Tri-Pyramids, and, uh, Mount Tecumseh. But, uh, we opted for this smaller little place called Scour, and it's, um, basically like a two and a half mile hike up to this beautiful overlook. And, um, it's a, maybe a 200 foot cliff. So we hit that and just is sort of enjoyed the, uh, <laughs> the challenge of standing in snow squalls for about probably an hour, hour and a half. I would think waiting for that damn sun to break through because it was forecast to break. Um, but, being in the mountains and being on the sort of the north side of these mountains, the, the snow just never ends. But we had maybe like a, a 10 minute break in the squalls that were coming through and we got some really ghostly images. I, I had made a comment at one point. It was, it reminded me of, um, 
like uh, at the Museum of Fine Arts or something like that. Those those Chinese ink drawings, which are all grayscale, like everything was colorless and it was just beautiful in itself. So, you know, not not a huge amount of elevation, but it was a beautiful day. And then on the way out, we hit this neat place called Big Pines, which is a short little point two um, spur off of Livermore Road. And um, it's an old growth uh, grouping of trees. There were four old pines there. They're, they're called Big Pines and they are just so stunning. Every time I see them, I just like, I'm in awe. Um, so it was just a nice time. You know, I think sometimes you gotta, I don't know. I, I, as I get older, I, I like to prioritize my hikes for friendship and just like, you know, the simple, simple things, shorter hikes. And yeah, it was awesome. Same. You know, I, I sit there and I, you know, people ask me why I haven't finished my winters yet. It's because I, I go on hikes with all my friends that want to do their winters or want to finish their club yeah. list or, or call hikes. And I'm just like, I'm, I'm fine with that. I'm fine to go hiking with some friends just to have some fun. Yeah. And, just get uh, out. yeah, I get out in the winter enough as, uh, as, as anybody else does. So I've, yeah. I've battled crap that, that people haven't battled before. So I'm just like, you know, I don't need to finish or a patch, but you know, this, this other mm-hmm. weekend I got out to uh, a place in Catskills called North Mountain, just easy little like four or five mile hike. I uh, got, see a little plane crash you know like like you guys get but we get all over the place it's freaking wicked um <laughs> nice uh didn't have to break trail though but definitely had to wear snowshoes we got a good dump of 36 inches down there in tannisville in the past snowstorm it was pretty wicked pretty wicked stuff wow wow and i'm looking at this as you're talking about it so you get some there's some ledges there so you get some nice views on this one right Oh, this was fantastic views of overlooking North South Lake yeah, and Catterskill awesome. High Peak and everything. Stay mm-hmm. away from the crowds. That's what, that's a good thing because everybody goes into the, the shorter hikes. You take this long hike from Scott Road, nobody's there. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it looks nice. Yeah, you guys got to come here one time. Got to come here. Hell yeah. Awesome. I'd come out anytime. That'd be great. Yeah. Um. So, uh, Catskill News, uh, I got some stickers uh, available. Jack Walker, my friend from Infinity PCD, printed them off for me. He's great. Get a hold of him if you want to get any uh, like stickers, shirts, T-shirts, stuff like that. Let him know. Jack from Infinity PCD, check him out. Um, also, I strongly always encourage volunteering. Got to volunteer to keep our trails looking good and looking and keeping it safe and stuff like that. Mm. Any place, 3500 Club. Let's see, Catskill Mountain Club, Catskill Visitor Center, check them out. Uh, I guarantee they have volunteer opportunities up in New Hampshire if you're listening. So look out for any volunteer opportunities in New Hampshire. It's always good to give back to the mountains that you are hiking because they definitely need it, especially at this time with the overuse. And we need we need people just to help out our local rangers and our local fishing game people. Also... There is uh was a really quick confirmed the, the wolf DNA that I had passed in the like last episode or something like that. I think it was two episodes ago. It was actually confirmed that there was a wolf here up like 30 miles away from where I live. So that's some pretty crazy wicked stuff. So wolf stuff up here in the Catskills. <laughs> so is yeah. that new for you guys? Is this? Yeah, okay. definitely. Definitely. So it, migrational it, changes and. Or something, or what, what's you know? This was the first time in like like thirty six years or something that a wolf has been confirmed dead, and it was shot by a hunter. 
Wow. Oh, so it was dead. So then they tested it. So the hunter wasn't sure if it was a wolf. They had to test it to make sure it wasn't like a mix or something. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They thought it might have been a, like a like, kind of like a hybrid coyote. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have them up here like hybrid wolf coyotes, but they're just a t- tiny bit bigger than wolves. But this was uh, shot because he thought it was a coyote. And then he's just like, no, this is way too big to be coyote. So let's uh, let's get it tested for the DC, which was, which was nice by him because <laughs> usually they're just like, yeah, let's just take this to the house. Were they able to track it back to like a, a Western pack? I know that they have like for the Yellowstone packs, they have pretty good DNA on the different packs and things like that. Were they able to, did they put any details in the article about where they think it came from? Not yet. Um, yeah. That mm-hmm. This was just confirmed like two days ago. So I'm, I'm guessing, you know, it might be, of course, from like Northern Canada and came down through yeah. the, the, the tundra up, up top through like Vermont and stuff like that. Cause I hear some wolves are up in Vermont, but we haven't gotten them down here in the Adirondacks or Catskill. So this is, this is brand new to us. This is crazy stuff. Uh, especially, you know, with all of our farmlands up here, like this is like where I live, it's nothing but farmlands and, you know, that's, that's just some crazy stuff. Just some, we have a wolf sanctuary up here. Uh, so I couldn't think it could got out of that. You know, we have also crazy sightings and mountain lions, which, Everybody says all the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. So how big was this wolf? Uh, I haven't confirmed the, the size of it yet. Uh, they just said it was tested positive for, for the DNA. So it was pretty crazy. Gotcha. Interesting. I wonder, wow. like, I know the whole thing in New Hampshire, every time I have ever dug into the whole wolf situation, and there's been like, I think in 2019, there was like wolf sightings near like Sunapee. And I know in Connecticut, there was a wolf that was killed like 15 years ago, maybe 10 years ago on the road. And there's definitely been some other sightings around like upstate New York and obviously like your your example. But my understanding is, is that if they did identify that there was uh, persistent wolves in the Northeast, like it would, it would activate some kind of protocol that like fish and game and wildlife has to basically get the message out to hunters and, and they have to understand what their, um, I guess what their habitat would be and then decide whether or not they would want to sort of capture and relocate them out of the area or not. So it's a whole big yeah. logistical thing that those cost a lot of money. So a lot of the conspiracy theorist people are like, they, they know there's wolves, <laughs> but they don't want to like test it because it's going to cost them too much money to deal with. Yeah. That's the whole mountain lion scene up here. Yes. I love it. I love it. Everyone gets all paranoid about it and they're all, they put their expert hats on, but I don't know. I feel like if, if there was really a decent population of mountain lions, you, you see some evidence pretty quickly. I think every once in a while one stumbles out here, but that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. And then two episodes ago, I had a, a guy on here who does mountain lion kind of like, uh, I wouldn't say conspiracy theories, but, uh, like looks into it, looks into the, the possibilities of mountain lions being in the Northeast, uh, it was pretty cool. I told Stomp about that one time, right? Yeah, I'll have mm-hmm. to check that yeah. out. I haven't, I get, I've been watching too much Netflix. i got to get up on my podcast. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so usually I do a, a Catskill Mountains history, okay. but I don't have anything this week. I've been freaking crazy rushing around. But um, I heard you guys have a mountain in, uh, in New Hampshire called uh, Guyote. We do. Oh. Yep, we do. Yes. We do. So he is a, a famous guy in the Catskills that actually did our map for the Catskills, our first official map of the Catskills, Andre or Andrew uh, Andrew uh, Henry Guillot. So, Correct. 
pretty cool stuff that he named all the peaks and stuff like that. And he also wanted, they wanted him to name a peak after himself. And he says, that is very selfish. I don't want a peak named after myself. That's great. And he goes up in, in New Hampshire and he gets a peak named after him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, can, I don't <laughs> know if go. they named, named it after him in, in to honor him or if he named it himself. Did, do you know Stomp? I have no idea. No. Yeah. But well, yeah, he's told, legendary. Yeah. And Sasha, I've told this story before on um, one episode, but the interesting thing about Guillaume is he did the original, um, he did one of the original White Mountain maps, and he was one of the people that really was responsible for sort of sticking the names on many of the peaks in the White Mountains. And it sounds like he did the same in the Catskills. And he was sort of the first map maker to identify that there was a, not just a, localized set of mountain ranges but that the uh, the what we now know as the Appalachian mountain chain stretched down from Georgia all the way up to the northeast so when he made the original maps Guillaume had to make a decision on what to call the larger mountain range and his choices were to use Allegheny um, or to use Appalachian and originally, he had chosen hmm. to select um, Allegheny to describe the entire mountain range. But I don't know exactly what the details are, but somebody got to him and they decided that at the last minute that they were going to actually label the entire range Appalachian. And that's how – so it could be, depending on the flip of a coin with Guillaume building that map, he, we could have very well been talking about the uh, Allegheny Trail instead of the Appalachian Trail. Yeah, right. Which is interesting. So it's basically <laughs> just sort of pick your names back then. Yeah. And I was looking up – I've been – the past couple episodes, I've been looking up stuff about him. And the funny thing is he – named almost all the Catskill Mountain Peaks. And like you said, he kept those names on those peaks. But the thing is, like, I think 10 years later or something like that, USGS came out and named all those peaks and didn't give him credit for it. Yeah, hmm. interesting. And I think, too, the spellings a lot were off quite a bit in some of the, the early maps that he made compared to what they ended up landing on spellings. I think when the U.S. Um, Geographical um, Society got involved, like they, they tweaked things. They tweaked things a little bit. Yeah. And that was a weird thing. If you look up at anything online, it barely says anything about him naming the Catskill maps. But if you look up stuff uh, in books of Catskill Mountain history and stuff like that, that he is responsible for a lot of, or for almost all the, the, the names of the Catskill Peaks. It's really crazy. It's really cool stuff. And then until recently, I didn't know that there was a, a mountain in New Hampshire named after him. It's, it's a beautiful peak. Yeah. Open Summit. It's weird. Oh, it summit. is. Yeah. It, it's it's hard to call it a peak. It doesn't seem like a mountain. I mean, it's so weird. It's very flattish, um, nondescript. You're just walking over the surface of the moon for a while, then you're off of it. It's uh, it's a neat place. It's probably one of my favorite places. I compare it to um, another neat spot where Mike has been recently, Mount Height. It's just uh, these off the radar locations that are just so beautiful and very unique. Mount Geo is on sort of the um, the eastern side of the Pemi Loop or the Pemi Wilderness, and for whatever reason, it's maybe it's the flatness of the the top. It gets blasted by wind. 
Um, most oh, times nice. when you're traversing over that, it is a challenge. It's well marked. I mean, the cairns are huge, but it's just such a stunning and, um, it's, it's unique. It, it stands out from other types of summits or, or mountain peaks. Let's just put it that way. Speaking of the PEMI, I'll, I'll be up there in June. Just to let you know, guys, I'm doing the PEMI, uh, stomp. I'm actually wow. doing it, I think, with the president of your search and rescue team. Oh, wow. Interesting. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, keep me posted. Guide, yeah, yeah. Our guide is letting, he's guiding people up that, uh, are first responders. So, I mean, I can handle it myself, but you know, if he's taking us up and stuff like that, we get what, what's one of the huts up there? What's the, there's um, Greenleaf and then Gilhead and then Zealand. So there's a, there's a couple of them. Okay, I, I I forgot which one we're going to be staying at, but we're going to be staying at one of the huts for the for the the loop. Okay, and you're going in June. Yeah, you, you're going to bring your bug spray. <laughs> Shit! <laughs> Damn it! Way to make me not want to do this now. <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 awesome. Are you doing a full Pemi loop? Yeah. Oh, you are. Okay. Yeah, so, we're going. Well, I think it's uh, two days. Two days. Okay. That sound good. Yeah, yeah, it sounds good. I mean, that's what I mm. usually. That, that's what I did two nights and then out on the third day. Interesting. So we'll have to hustle. <laughs> Interesting. Well, cool. Awesome. All right. Also, one one last question. Um, do you guys go to the Southern New Hampshire a lot? And sometimes, at least. Sure. So, uh, Cardigan Mountain. Have you been there? Yes. It's yes, a phenomenal well. place. You've been there? I haven't heard. Yeah, that was, uh, you know, I went down to, I uh, went up to New Hampshire and like, I think it was 2021. Mm-hmm. And that was the first mountain we climbed in New Hampshire. And that was a fantastic climb. Mm, yeah, it's another open faced, rocky top, little tower yeah. top. Beautiful. Yeah, well, it's a gorgeous hike. We went up, um, we did that. I did that with my daughter and my friend and his daughter. And I think we went up via fire screw and then over to the main summit and then down the Holt Trail, I believe. So, yeah, mm-hmm. awesome hike. I got to get back out there. Yeah, that place was uh, definitely had – the funny thing is I took a great picture of someone coming down. as a woman, a guy, and she was like skirting down on her butt because she didn't think the granite would hold her up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like my wife was on her way up and she's just like, this is not going to work. This is not going to happen. I'm like, it's fine. It's fine. Trust me. I'm, I'm pretty sure thousands of people go up here all the time. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. And Stomp, matter of fact, we have some unfinished business down in that area because we talked last year. We need to get back down there and do that entirety of the the Mowgli Trail out to the the lakes region and then reconnect mm-hmm. out the cardigan. So we, we got to do that at some point. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That hike that is phenomenal, great. dude. And it's so, it, not to be on, not to be, it's pretty easy. Actually, you know, I forgot to show you this guy, this picture. On the way down from that hike, I met a guy that was climbing the 48 with his RV car. Really? <laughs> really? I haven't he heard was, of that guy. I will have to send you the picture. He was doing, I was just like, we were coming up and he's like sitting at one of the ledges and I'm just, well, not one of the ledges, but one of the rock areas. And I'm just sitting there. I'm like, man, this guy's not moving. What is he doing? And then I see him controlling something. I'm just like, interesting. So we move a little bit further down and he's got one of those RVs kind of going up the rock face and then going like that. And I'm just like, insane. 
Yeah. And Cardigan's a great mountain for that. Like Monadnock would be another one because it's just like endless amounts of open slab that you could, you could cruise around on in your RV. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Was, and the funny thing, he was at the, the base of it too. So I'm just like, dude, it's going to take you like at least three hours to get up at least to the, the, <laughs> the granite spot. And I'm just sitting there like trying every spot what's available. Oh, I got up this here. Let me get, but I'll have to send you that picture. It was pretty crazy. That's really funny. <laughs> yeah. So, Jeez. all right. So, let's finally get on to the guest of the night. Let's go. Mike and Stom from Sounds Like a Search and Rescue podcast. These guys, uh, so sorry to say, uh, well, actually, I'm proud to say are influences of mine to start this podcast in the Catskills. They uh, started a podcast up in New Hampshire, and they have exceeded very well <laughs> of that by far. Um they have done a great job. They have done a great job of spreading people out through New Hampshire and giving people awareness of uh, certain different programs in New Hampshire and and responsibilities and hiking safeties in New Hampshire. And I'm, you know, not saying that I'm very proud, but I'm also proud to have them on the East Coast and to have them over here to help out with what's mm-hmm. going on with our craziness in the East Coast. So, welcome to <laughs> Inside the Line, the Catskill Mountains podcast, guys. Thank you, oh, thank, thank you. you. This is awesome. Yeah. It's- Good to have you here. So uh, why don't you guys give a a quick background about yourself? Let's uh, start off with Mike. Mike, a little background. I am Mike. uh, And I guess background for me is I've been hiking for, I don't know, Stomp, when we met uh, probably, what was it, like 2010 or something like that? Right. I would say I probably got into hiking around like 2012 and pre- prior to that, I was a, I've always been a runner. So I was a wrestler in high school, and I did track, and um, always ran through my entire life. And you know, I took probably maybe about five or six years off of running when I started my family and my career, and got back into it. I you know just talked about how I was a little bit heavy, lost a lot of weight, got into so, sort of somewhat competitive running, uh, kind of age group stuff, and then. Through that, I ended up getting involved in, I put in for the Mount Washington Road Race. I did that one year, met Stomp through that, and then that sort of piqued my interest with my kids were getting a little bit older. Me and my wife were taking them around to hike around waterfalls and smaller things in New Hampshire. And then, you know, one day I just decided that I was going to climb Mount Washington I went up solo. I went up Glen Boulder Trail and then cut across Davis Path up to Mount Washington and down the Tuckerman Ravine Trail and absolutely fell in love with with New Hampshire and the mountains. And since then, I've basically created a monster. So less running and now more more <laughs> nice. hiking for me. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Stomp, how about you, sir? Oh, my goodness. I've been hiking predominantly since – 13, uh, maybe 13. I was huge into rock collecting and my folks dragged me up Mount Shakura one, one day and, uh, I, I was miserable just complaining the whole way, but I was at least collecting rocks. And, um, I think I started my 48 when I was in my mm, late teens, early twenties. Um, but I was so busy with just school, uh, different degrees and this and that. And I was, a member of a, a local band in the North shore, which was like 10 years of my life doing audio production and, and performance and stuff like that. Um, so I sort of lost touch with the mountains. Then I got married and, you know, lost the mountains for another decade plus. And, um, 
Yeah. Um, I started running out of the blue. Um, I don't know, mid 2000s, I suppose. It was a really neat thing to experience. And, uh, that was when like Born to Run came out and all that business, I believe. And, uh, it was super inspiring. And, uh, that's when I met Mike. It's really funny thinking about that, Mike, just, uh, the, the odds of meeting somebody, um, through an event like that. It's, it's really cool, uh, just to see where you and I stand now with all this crazy stuff going on. But, um, yeah, so I got back into hiking with, uh, my wife, Mrs. Stomp. And, you know, th- we have a whole episode about it where she tackled the 48 in under two years. I mean, she, she got the hiking bug like you wouldn't believe. And at that point I was maybe halfway through the list. So she and I finished together uh, within the two year period that she had started. And, um, and now I'm back at it again. Uh, for the most part, I've had some orthopedic issues. So hiking is my mainstay for, uh, physical health and activity. And, um, uh, <laughs> the podcast thing is sort of neat as well because I've been involved with audio and engineering and production for so many years, like literally like 30 years. So just this, this full circle experience I'm going through here is just a blessing. I am just so happy and just content doing all this fun stuff and making this podcast work. And every week it's a challenge, but uh, it's great. It's really neat. Nice. So, so yeah. you guys, when you guys met, was it, was it love at first sight? <laughs> I Sticky remember. socks at first sight. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was very transactional. Like it was basically like we both got into the Mount Washington road race. And back then there was no, so, there wasn't social media. I don't think it was, it was message boards. So I just posted yeah. Yeah. and said, ID because the way the Mount Washington road race works is that people can go up and drive you down, but you have to have three runners tickets for one car to go up. So you can't just say to your family, like, oh, drive up and then drive me down. They Logistically, they require you to take three runners down. So yeah, I was no like, I said to my wife, like, do you want to go up? She was like, I'm not interested in driving up. So I needed to find somebody that would take, that I could give my ticket to and would take my my gear up so that I had like warmer clothes to change into. So that's mm-hmm. where I posted something on the message board. And that's when Stomp replied. And then it was very much like, cool, I'll, you know, I'll here's my email. And I think we probably just emailed back and forth and I gave my phone number. I don't mm-hmm. even know if texting was a thing back then. I don't <laughs> even remember. I think it was just like I don't phone think calls. So. When was this, do you think? This was like oh, 2009, maybe 2010. Oh, yeah. I, I have. So it was t-shirts. probably like forum stuff, like like, yeah. like just internet forums. Late 2000s. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Forum stuff. Yeah. My oh, earliest yeah. t shirt, I still have it. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. He still wears that, that same early t shirt that he got for the Mount Washington race on the hikes. But I, I remember, like, the only thing that I really remember about that day was I remember meeting you, and, and it's again, it was very transactional. Like, here's my stuff, and then Mrs. Stomp was there at the time, and I think you guys were dating. You weren't married at that point, and mm-hmm. I just remember finding you at the end of the race, and then Mrs. Stomp driving us down. The, and and Ches was the other guy that was with us that we were friendly mm-hmm. with. And I just remember Mrs. Stomp being like, uh, I can't believe you guys did this. You're crazy. And then lo and behold, fast forward, like she becomes a super hiker. But um, <laughs> that was really True. the only thing that stood up. But we stayed in touch. And mostly we stayed in touch about like, let's do the road race again. But then eventually, you know, I, I had gotten into winter hiking and then Stomp had reached out to me 
about winter hiking and said, oh, I've got this friend Jimmy, and that's how I met Jimmy Chaga, and then the rest was history. And then my connection with Stomp really opened up connecting with a bunch of hikers in New Hampshire because he was in some social media groups. So by then, you know, it was like two, three years later from the road race that we met that he, he had joined these like social media groups that had a bunch of hikers that we later became friends with. So Stomp is a, is a, the internet media guy. Mm. Uh, he was, and then I, I think was. I took that role over. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> okay, I was like, wait a minute, no way. Stomp is like interesting, <laughs> interesting. So it was love yeah. at first sight. You guys, you guys, awesome. So it's great. It's good to know. <laughs> it's I'm glad your fans will know. No. By the oh, way, Stomp, did you did you have a, add another drink? I thought we were gonna torture mike with more drinks at every session i have a second on the uh on the uh the roster here but uh i've yet to crack it so it's part of my mount washington training honestly stosh you know what's like the the drinking is not the issue to me it's like right now is where i would grab the bowl of pretzels or the bowl of (laughs) cheez-its at the nachos you know what i mean like nice it's so hard right now like i'm pivoting into like a diet and trying to lose a little bit of weight. And it's, it's that like witching hour right before bed where <laughs> right? I'm so used oh, to just getting a bowl. Like, oh, I could use something to eat. Let me eat a, a whole tub of ice cream. Well, you know what I've been into oh, is yeah. Cheez-Its lately. They have these Cheez-Its that are like, they're cheesier Cheez-Its. So they have like the Doritos powder on the Cheez-Its and they're so good. So that's what's torturing me. The beer doesn't bother me. That's what you got to get up in the uh, up in the high peaks and stuff like that. You got to get some cheesier Cheez-Its and just I know. Load I don't feel guilty when I'm hiking. I, I can bring that food along, but not tonight. I'll do uh, so the Mike's, one- Mike's signature trick here. I'll, ready? Here it goes. That's Mike's signature. Oh, yes. Yes, I forgot to do that with my awestruck. Sorry. (laughs) He does that. You know, you do that really good. Every time that I hear that, I'm just like, man, I'm jealous. Yeah, I just put it right under the microphone and it it goes. I'm jealous. So a a big question I always have with with my podcast is because down in the, you know, we're we're more of a, a... suburban area you know albany and new york city and crap like that you know we get a lot of social media stuff the mountain lions in the northeast what do you guys what do you guys see up there uh as adjacent to us because we see a bobcat is is running across the trail camera and people are like mountain lion instantly (laughs) yeah i think it's calmed down a little bit like i said i you know i talked about earlier i've 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 dug into some of the communities around mountain lions. And you get the same thing. Like people immediately think a bobcat, bobcat is a mountain lion. Yeah. They don't know the difference in the tail lengths and things like that. But uh, for the most part, it's been pretty quiet. Like I said, in 2019, there was some somewhat credible discussions and sightings around um, Sunapee, which is, is kind of near Cardigan where you had talked about. Uh, but lately, I haven't really heard too much chatter. Every once in a while, it makes the news. But I think it's been pretty quiet when it comes to mountain lions lately. Yeah, you never hear anything really. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the media is pretty quiet about it. Occasionally, there's a story about some cat that was seen. Um, I can tell you anecdotally, just bushwhacking. I have seen uh, smaller cat prints, but yeah, who knows? Uh, if it is, it's probably not a big issue. Yeah, my big argument is that, you know, thousands of times, did you just put uh the, the executive producer off of there? Yeah, she just bit my hand. 
Because I'm not giving her attention. <laughs> Jesus. I was like, what the hell did you do that for? That's mean. Understandable. Um, so with the, the whole mountain lion aspect up here, we have, we have so many trail cameras. There's so many trail cameras, yet oh, no trail okay. camera has caught a mountain lion up in the Northeast. And I got to admit, we have probably, you got to admit, there's more, way more hunters up here than there is out West or anything like that. Right. True. True. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that that's my only uh, discretion is that people, you know, will be like, Ooh, I saw this mountain lion track. And I'm like, nah, that's not a mountain lion track. That's a bobcat track that is uh, kind of melted and looking like a big thing. You know, it's just, it's just odd. I have to ask that question all the time. Cause that's, that's my big thing is, uh, is mountain lions in the Northeast, uh, is a very hot topic, especially with the New York City and, you know, West, like Orange County and stuff like that and, and Albany. Albany mm-hmm. people see them running a bobcat or a, a small cat and they'll be like, oh my God, that's a huge mountain lion. No, it's just a feral cat that's running across your yard. Like, that's. Yeah. But I don't know. Interesting. I think, I think there is like, you know, the conspiracy side of me says, I do think that there would be incentive to not publicize events or you know sightings of these cats i do i do like give that some credence but you're right hunters have the information but the second question is if they have that information would the state would the media publicize it to the detriment of tourism and i think that's a valid point i don't know it's just who knows right right yeah yeah who knows it's a big topic and two two episodes i had a guy who uh but he did (laughs) mountain lion uh, sightings in the Northeast, and he also does Bigfoot stuff, which is oh, cool, <laughs> very crazy. Um, Small Town Monsters. There's like a a TV show or something like that about him, about yeah. his his whole group. So you guys should get him on there and talk about Bigfoot because it's got to be something else. <laughs> um, That's great. So also, we recently covered that, but yeah, briefly. Bigfoot it's about the really brown, brown bears, like you know, mistaking Bigfoot for brown bear, or vice versa. Um, yeah, makes a lot of sense. That'll be fun. So like my big question, I haven't heard this yet. So what have gotten you guys into starting this podcast? Starting sounds like a search and rescue podcast. Mike, Mm -hmm. I know you, by the way, uh, you know, we're a little into this, Mike. I know Mike uh, from social media from a long time ago. We used to be some, uh, oh, Mike, should I say some kind of like internet trolls? Would I say? I wouldn't say that. I, I would say, <laughs> I say um, you know, we were in some social media groups where we were more irreverent and, and less, I guess, um, you know, we were pretty Wasn't casual trolls. about things like that. But, um, you know, for me, the, I guess the start of how Sounds Like a Search and Rescue came about was based on sort of, I was really interested in the idea that people could were going out and getting injured and I was interested in like, okay, how do I, what, what do I need to learn and what do I need to know to stay safe? Um, but then over time, like what I noticed is over social media, you would have these clusters of search and rescue incidents that would happen. And you would inevitably have people that would say like, okay, well, two, two people have gotten really seriously injured. We have a big problem. And I would say like, well, do we really have a big problem or is this just sort of like the normal course of like, search and rescue. And I was kind of figuring, I was trying to figure out like, okay, what's normal? Like, is it, 
is it normal to have X number of incidents per year? And, you know, what I started to do was to just start collecting the media details of search and rescue. And I just started adding them into a spreadsheet. So I had that interest and my goal was kind of like, let me just see, like, if I can do this for a couple of years, then I can sort of figure out like, okay, are there any interesting patterns? And then I can also say like, okay, well, our search and rescue is really increasing because that's what you would hear all the time is like, oh, search and rescue is out of control and it's it's increasing year over year. And I was sort of very interested in the data side of things. And then at the same time, me and Stomp would hike together and we'd be talking and we would say like, oh, well, I'd love to start a podcast. And I don't know if we specifically said like we want to start a search and rescue podcast. We were like, we need to start a hiking podcast because there's not that many hiking podcasts out there. So we were like, there's a niche. And Stomp, obviously, like he's got the audio editing, audio engineering background so I think Stomp was it. We were at we went hiking. I think we went hiking. Then we went to the Woodstock restaurant or the Woodpecker restaurant. And we were talking about it, right? Yeah, right. That was sort of the start of it, like just putting the idea out there, and then um, we quickly put it to bed. <laughs> yeah, like, no, no, I don't think we ever put it to bed. We just sort of said like, yeah, we're going to do it, and then ignored like well, you would exactly. That's me, what I and mean. then I would ignore you. Yeah. Like you would prompt me and be like, let's do it. And then I would ignore you. And then it took a long time. Yeah. It took like two years, I think. Wow. Holy shit. Yeah. No kidding. Right. From concept to actual, you know, execution, it took a long time. Oh, Daphne. Oh, Oh, there's Daphne. Daphne's demon cat. Um, so, so Mike, just to let you know, like I, from your, your old page, I followed you a lot. Like I love to see your year over year statistics. And I would just, I'd be, you know, I'm not nowhere near the, the New Hampshire area, but I would just like, Oh, Mike's posting, you know, what the, the, the quarter times of search and rescue is up in New Hampshire. And it was very fascinating. So you knew that the, the stuff that you were doing, you were very well at it. So. This is this fits you perfectly. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I would do is basically I had like this Facebook group and that's where sort of like Sasha talked about sort of the trolling is like my philosophy with this Facebook group was that I was not going to moderate. I think I was a bit naive about this and I like it was earlier in the days of social media and I think I basically my whole thing was I was like, I am not going to be this is gonna be informational, but I'm not gonna be involved in moderating or um, deleting anybody's comments or anything like that. And I was just sort of like, you know, people are grown adults and if they don't get along or whatever, they can block themselves or they can block each other or whatever. And I think naively, I just sort of thought like, okay, well, you can have a social media platform that isn't moderated. And as long as you're clear with people that they're adults and they're responsible for their own actions, then generally it'll take care of itself. But what I found was that um, (laughs) that's a ridiculous idea and it's the dumbest idea that doesn't work at all. But so over time, (laughs) I think when we decided to do the podcast, I think ultimately it was like right around when COVID hit, that Facebook group was getting like a lot of traction, a lot of activity, but it was also getting nasty. I think people were really sort of like, it was just too much online activity. They were morons. I got a bit, I'll I'll agree with you. They were morons. It was annoying. Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) um, ultimately me and me and Stomp recorded the first couple of shows and it went, you know, went okay. I don't don't love those shows, but um, ultimately we decided as things went along that we wanted to make sure that the show 
um, was informational, educational, and something that we could be proud of. So we shut that group down from the perspective that we really wanted to pivot to be more inclusive, more educational, and just more professional. So that sort of, you know, and I, I didn't need that stress anyway. So, um, you know, the, the social media group, it was an interesting experiment, but it just didn't, it fizzled out. Hmm. I'll agree. Yeah. I, 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 you know, th- there were times, of course, that I, I used that. Of course, that's when I was uh, immature. <laughs> I've grown up, even though, like, uh, I feel like I haven't, but I have from social media, and it, and it got annoying. And I, I'll admit, you know, someone would post a, a thing like after a, you know, thirty six inches of snow fell. Do I need snowshoes on, uh, you know, <laughs> Washington Mountain from mm-hmm. going from Lion's Head? Yeah, and I'd be like, sounds like a search and rescue call is about to happen. But I grew away from that, and you know, your statistics with the 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 the, the Facebook group was was fantastic, and I, I loved it. I loved seeing like, oh wow, it's increased only two like search and rescues from the last year, which is pretty insane. And then sometimes it would increase ten to fifteen, which was like really crazy but then it would go back down it was just it was fluctuating so crazy and that's what you were great at that it was phenomenal to see your stuff yeah and it's been it's i got four years of data now and it's been really interesting to see some of the patterns and you know i think the most recent year when i took a look at it like the things that stood out to me the most right now are that um lower leg injuries continue to be probably around like 40% of the overall calls that are reported through the media. I don't get all the, and I'm not on search and rescue, just to be clear. I just simply collect news reports that come out. New Hampshire is really good about publishing all their media details. So you can, mm-hmm. you can get a lot of information, but about 40% are lower leg injuries. So I always tell people like, I feel like a, a 10 essential should be a splint so that you can triage your lower right. leg injuries and hopefully self-rescue. Um, we've seen a big decrease in issues around people not having headlamps. So I don't know if fishing game has gotten like the message out to people to make sure that they start early, bring a headlamp, whatever. And then there's also like some trends around like fatalities in the whites. Like there's a lot of like men, you know, I think it's like of the 30 or so fatalities that have happened in the white mountains over the last four years, like 27 have been men. And a lot of older men, a lot of medical issues. So I always tell people, I'm like, you know, you should really, once you get to be 50, you should really be doing some, you know, proactive cardiology um, scans just to make sure that you don't have a ticking time bomb that you're walking around with that you don't know about. So, you know, it does get, it gives some interesting insights that you can actually take and apply practical solutions to hopefully keep people a little bit safe. Yeah. And this is not just the the White Mountains and it's just all over hiking in general, you know. That's a, a great set of advice is to, you know, get yourself checked out so you don't become that, that casualty up on top of a mountain just because, you know, you're hiking and enjoying something you love. You might have a problem that you might need to be checked out. Mm-hmm. Good call. Stomp, what about you? What What's got you started into starting a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> this guy in the uh, upper right hand uh, video screen, I guess. <laughs> Sorry, I pushed Tom. you on peer pressure. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, like you said, I mean, we we were just chatting about it, and it was right up my alley. And uh, I've always been creative in that sense with uh, audio, video, and um, 
you know, productions. I produced bands for many years and some of those projects were like one song would take literally 50 to 60 hours to produce and to fine tune and to revamp. And so I was like very familiar with the creative process. And I, I thought that would be fantastic because hiking was such a part of my life. Um, so it was just a no brainer for me. Like count me in. Um, yeah, I mean, there was the, the early stages of trying to figure out, okay, what gear would I need? And, uh, it was sort of funny. Um, you know, I sort of had the, the gear end of it, but Mike was burdened with the software, um, internet based aspects of starting a podcast. And that still, to be honest with you, is, is mind numbing to me to think that there's like three web pages that we have to go to and to upload this and to, to sync this and that. It's like, I still can't figure that stuff out. So I really hand it uh, to Mike on that end of it. Um, cause I'm just not adept at that at all. But when it comes to sound and, uh, putting an edit together, like that's right there. Like, yeah, I'm proud of what we've done so far, you know, in terms of, uh, or content or oh, Jesus, we're almost at a hundred episodes. It's crazy. No it's shit. Not, yeah. Uh, yeah. And how many, crazy. how many, how many downloads? Know. How many lessons? Oh boy. Oh, like 176,000, oh yeah. 176, 177,000 within a hundred episodes. I think we're averaging like 5k a week or something like that, which is, I don't know. It's still pretty niche though. It's like, I, I, I still wait for the ceiling to hit us because Jesus, how many hikers are there out there that are hiking in the white? So I'm just waiting yeah. for this moment where it sort of plateaus, but it still continues to creep up a little bit gradually, but yeah, wow. there's still progress. It's pretty neat. Yeah. I mean, I've been listening to you guys since uh, the beginning. Of course you helped me start this podcast. Mike, you helped me since the beginning, which I, I thank you so greatly. Um, but like, you know, just hearing you guys from the beginning to now, just how, how you've exploded is, is awesome for not only yourselves, but for the hiking community. It's, it helps out, you know, the search and rescue to get awareness of, uh, leave no trace, you know, the 10 essentials. Like you said, Mike, the yeah. splint should be in there. I agree with you. We should revise that stuff. Um, so let's make our own 10 essential. Let's make the Northeast 10 essential list yes. instead of yeah, the whole that's like, idea. The slasher could do that. Come on. There's plenty of room in people's packs. Come on. Let's make it a hundred essentials. It's freaking what? It's, it's a lightweight thing. That's what, well, like, not even so a quarter of a pound. With, when you hike with Stomp the size of his backpack, he could have like, he could easily have a hundred essentials. Stomp, what's your, what's your base weight in your regular backpack? Generally about 30 pounds, 30 yes. to 40 pounds. Uh, 29.6 here, baby, without water or food. Yeah. Yeah. The winter pack is a little crazy, but, uh, and, and again, that's the reason why my, my body's changed and for this race. So like, I can't even imagine dropping 30 pounds of body mass to accommodate a race. Like, yeah, it's like you, you carry weight like more that. Pounds of, of- it's yeah. Things change, but uh, yeah, I mean, the winter packs are, are brutal. And I think, I don't know, honestly, it's, I think it's part of the reason why I've, I'm having orthopedic issues. <laughs> it's, it's like I, <laughs> I was cursed with this, uh, hip dysplasia, which is a bummer. And I discovered it in my forties and at, you know, before I discovered it, I was heavy packing with literal 60 pound dumbbells in my pack and I just exacerbated the whole situation. So, I mean, that's a, a little bit of 
background regret there, but uh, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I started, I start off uh 29.6 pounds uh, just for a regular day hike, just because, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm like, you know, being on search and rescue and, you know, possibility of helping out someone else, you know, Mike knows that sure. too. You know, he, he influences people stating mm-hmm. that, you know, you could parry, carry an extra spikes for maybe somebody else that needs help on the trail. Like right. that person might not come down the trail or something like that. So I do the same thing, carry two spikes. My wife carried two spikes when we go in the winter, bunch of different, different things to carry to help out people throughout yeah, the, that's the day. Really noble. I mean, that's, uh, I think we would just, we just had an event where we got to sort of do a Q and a at a local brewery with, um, Ty Gagney, who was, and just a really wonderful person and just amazing books. But, um, you know, he stressed that, um, just having those things for people on trail. And I, I think I made a point at some point during the night that that is the first line of attack, like on trail, you know, it, to educate and also to help people. So that's great, but it does add weight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. So, uh, in the course of time, uh, what are some of the difficulties you guys have with, with this podcast? Oh, it's a tough question, right? Not really. Uh, for I would me. say, <laughs> oh, go ahead, stop. <laughs> go ahead, Mike, take it. Mine's well, I would say just the, the, like the audio screw ups, like, um, there's been like a couple of episodes where like I forgot to hit record and we've run like the full episode. And I think we did that with Rebecca one time and she was awesome to, Run mm-hmm. it back with us. Um, so I think that that pure panic around um, audio issues, and then we've had some guests that have had audio issues as well. But like anytime we have that problem, like we, it's no problem to just kind of go back and ask them to uh, do another another run back at it. So uh, that's mm-hmm. probably the biggest difficulty we've had. What I thought was going to be the most difficult thing was finding like topics and guests for the show. Um, which has turned out to not be that big of an issue. Like me and Stomp have a very organic type of thing where, and we've got Lynn that's helping us out now too. So we have a text message thing that goes back and forth and he'll throw ideas to me and I'll throw ideas to him. And a lot of time it's like, I don't even want a response back. I just want to get the idea in the text message so that I have it for when we write the script. So we do that a lot. So, I mean, yeah. that's, otherwise it's, you know, it's, it's fun. It's a good Thera- yeah. It's like my Thursday or my uh, Tuesday, Wednesday night therapy, basically, is to talk to Stomp for an hour or two. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. I would say the uh, technical issue on my end, because I'm usually the problem because I'm in the White Mountain, quote unquote, National Forest, and I, I lose power all the time. I, lo- I I literally get emails now from all of the utilities saying, you're going to lose power tomorrow, probably. So just be ready. <laughs> How pathetic is that? It's like, oh my God, they set you up. Like, here's the expectation. You're going to lose power. And it's true. So that's a bit of a, a struggle. Uh, regarding content, initially, Mike and I had a bolster of, say, you know, several episodes that we could tap into. And then that seemed to just dwindle down to nothing. And now that we're... Well, let me back up a bit. I think maybe halfway through this hundred episodes, I think we sort of locked in a format that complements having guests or just having it be him and I talking about 
the hills and our hikes. And I think if, when we're in a pinch for content, we can always fall back on just him and I talking about our, our adventures out there. And honestly, I think that's what people want to hear the most. Um, yeah. And for me personally, I, I, you know, me just yapping with Mike for two hours a week is great. It's like, yeah, it comes natural. It's fun. And, um, but regarding guests and things like that, now we're, we're overloaded with topics, which is unbelievable. It just never stops uh, building up. Uh, there's a queue of topics that we can fall back on. So it's pretty, pretty amazing. Um, yeah. So I know, you know, I noticed that you, you sort of follow the same format and I think that's fantastic. I think this is a format that works for these types of podcasts for sure. And maybe there's room for other topics and other crazy things like, you know, pop culture or whatever, but yeah, I think we're all on the right track. Yeah. And you guys, uh, you know, I'm very jealous of your, your, your organization and your duo. Like, uh, it sucks to, you know, like, like, you know, somebody might drop out of a week and you're like, Oh crap, what are we going to come up with? But that, that's, that's a question. We, you guys can talk back and forth about your, your previous hikes and your experience in the white mountains and stuff like that. But have you ever had to, like stomp you had your wife that one time but you have you ever had to talk yeah. by yourself it's really horrible <laughs> yeah no i've never done that um i've had like times where like stomp couldn't make it and we you know like rebecca who's been on the show a bunch of times like um helps out the the tricky part i think is getting to know each other's timing like me and stomp know each other's timing really well so we don't step on each other as much and that's always the sort of the tricky part but i don't know doing a solo like stomp you've done some solo like intros to segments and things like that but not a whole show by yourself right no i can only imagine stasha i mean that's that's phenomenal it sucks like like it no, well, sucks so bad yeah it's a challenge but i mean you're doing a great job at it i wouldn't knock yourself at all well, luckily I've only had like, like three solo, uh, opportunities, but you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to, to find, I, I, luckily I got, I booked, I got booked until May. So that's good just to have guests, but doing it solo and to listen to yourself record instead of like, you know, like I'm with you, Stomp. I, I've, I've been into music since I was a young kid. And, yeah. you know, hearing yourself record, you, you second guess yourself all the time. No, that wasn't good enough. Let's do it again. Sure, sure, sure. So doing this, uh, makes you second guess yourself every freaking time. You're just like, that didn't sound good. And well, 40 minutes of that, <laughs> it just sucks. Well, but I, I'm very jealous of your guys' uh, charisma. You guys have a great charisma. Holy crap. It's awesome. That's cool. Thanks. I appreciate it. We, we, I say it pretty frequently. It's like, I think both of us are in a bubble. It's like when we go out to an event or something and there's 150, 200 people waiting to hear what me and Mike have to say about stuff. It's sort of overwhelming, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. Hey, whatever. We'll take it. And, uh, I guess this is something I've wanted to say for a long time, but, um, I, I'm overwhelmed by the donations and the support too. Um, honestly, it's like everything we get for monetary donation, uh, buy me a coffee is a great platform. We just put it right back in. It's like, we're not making any money on this. We're just doing it for the passion and we appreciate the support and everything else. And, um, you know, we hope to keep at it and just making interesting, funny content. And I'm sure you're going to get there too, Stosh. I mean, um, 
you know, your content's fantastic. So just keep at it. I was going to say, it's like, you should, uh, at this point, you can probably ask chat GPT to write up a co-host script <laughs> and then sample your voice and have a second stosh. So it'd be stosh, stosh and stosh talking about the cat skills. I mean, <laughs> Well, just to let you know, uh, (laughs) I did today while at work, I did a chat GPT. (laughs) I think I said, tell me a story of a snow, uh, a post holing incident that caused somebody to get killed. Wow. And like, it seriously took like, like five, six minutes for it to develop. And it was, it was hilarious. The whole thing of someone hiking up and then breaking their (laughs) ankle in, uh, the mountains and then all of a sudden the search and rescue volunteers couldn't get to there because the post holes were seven feet deep <laughs> and i was just like <laughs> you gotta be kidding me so like That's this whole funny. chat gpt is is actually fantastic and i was just like this is this is some crazy content so that's awesome but yeah i i will look into that definitely more chat gpt for me and just have someone on the side doing that stuff <laughs> Yeah. So a deep fake stuff. Hey, hey, you guys. Um, speaking of Chat GPT, Stomp. I was going to hold this the next episode, but Stosh, I'll, I'll I'll give you this teaser. I've been using Chat GPT to collect hiking related dad jokes, Stomp. <laughs> Shit. So <laughs> oh, why man, don't mountains really? ever get cold? Oh, why? Because they always wear their peak performance fleece. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. What's wrong with computers? That's so this is, bad. This, this is scary. This is yeah, very is. scary. I'm, this, I'm not there's literally a, a disconnect between AI and humanity. It's so obvious. It's crazy. You know Give what's funny? You get, get some more. A lot, a lot of people on my on my podcast, I hope, hopefully they know about your podcast because, like I said, this, this stuff is uh, – it's crazy. So hopefully they'll know your platform and, and this whole uh, dad joke, tick joke and stuff like that. Oh. Hey, what do you guys call a bear with no teeth? <laughs> what? A gummy bear. <laughs> Jesus. And Mike, you're not even drinking alcohol. What the hell is going on here? Yeah. Oh, so anyway, so I awesome. love ChatGPT now because Stomp, we have endless amounts of tick jokes too that we can plug in. <laughs> You know, can you I give just, me a I tick joke? Look, hold on, hold on. I, yeah. Did somebody say this, though? Uh, why did the tick cross the road? To get to the other hide. <laughs> that was horrible, Mike. I, I feel like an idiot. <laughs> well, that's the point that's of them. Fantastic. So. I, don't, yeah. I, don't like, I don't like chat GP. I'm sick and uh, tired of this place. This is going to ruin my life, all right? This is going <laughs> to... Yeah, all right. we'll save, <laughs> we'll save right, the right, rest right. of the so dad jokes one. for for so this one. Is, what did the mama tick say to the baby tick when he was going too slow? I give tick up. tock tick tock tick tock. <laughs> oh jeez, so bad, horrible, absolutely horrible. All right, let's get let's back out on topic. So the forty eight. I'm guessing, uh, not I'm guessing, but thirty or uh, forty eight peaks above four thousand feet. Peaks in uh, four thousand feet in the New Hampshire, right? Correct. What did uh, what Mike? What got you into this? Um, so I was a runner for many years, and then once I started hiking, um, 
I, I did a lot of competitive racism. I, you know, it took up a lot of time, a lot of energy. Uh, my wife was kind of not into it. You know, she wanted to spend more time up north. Her parents have the house in Maine. And the kids, like, they kind of wanted to, you know, we do a lot of hiking, running around, but she also wanted to kind of stick closer to the, the, the pond that we're on there. So I started getting into hiking on my own, and it worked out perfect because I would be like an hour away from most of the mountains. And then once I started getting into it, I found out about the 4,000-footer list. And from there, I was like, you know, it, it fit in well with me. I, I like I like to plan things. I like to have a challenge and, you know, it was really perfect for me. So I think I also like met a bunch of hikers and they all completed the list and I looked up to them and I was like, I want to be like them. You know, I want to be on the same level as them because I respect how much they know that I don't know. So that's sort of what got me into it. And I think it ended up being I think I really started for real in like 2014 or so. And by 2020, I think I had finished up 47 of the 48. And from there, there's like these, there's a couple of other lists. And I decided I wasn't going to finish the 48s until I finished the 52 with the view list, which is another list that we have, which is like basically. 52 peaks that are below 4,000 feet that have really good views. So the idea is, is that you do 100 summits if you do the 48 and the 52. And then there's another list called the Terrifying 25, which is the most challenging high, um, trails in the White Mountains. So then I was like, well, I'll finish that list too, and I'll get to the end of each of those lists so that I'm at the point where I only have one hike left to finish all three lists and I was able to string a single hike together to finish all three lists in one like 20 mile hike that Stomp joined me on. So so that's sort of like the journey that I went on to learn about the mountains. And I think through through the lists you really get to know I think the 48s you get to know the personality of the White Mountains and sort of the main peaks that everyone's familiar with. With the 52 with the views, you get to know where the spots are where you can avoid crowds and you really get to know the wider New Hampshire region as far as mountaineering go or hiking goes. And then with the Terrifying 25, you really get to know, you know, the most, you really get to challenge yourself and you get to the most difficult parts of the Whites. So that's sort of been my journey. And now it's like, you know, I'm, I'm sort of I'm pursuing the winter four thousand footers, but my daughter's pursuing her list. You know, I'll hike with Stomp. My friend Tom was finishing up his list, so I hiked with him a lot for peaks. So you know, whoever wants to go anywhere, I'm down for it now. Nice, <laughs> Stomp, your turn, buddy. Oh, oh my goodness. Uh, well, as I'd mentioned, I I started when I was 13, but I really didn't become serious um, in into hiking until the nineties. I was preoccupied with being in a band and just doing the whole musician thing and trying to get this band signed and this and that. And, um, I would hit mountains intermittently here and there. But, um, I, that's when I discovered the 48 in particular, but listening to Mike talk about this, this has been literally a 30 year journey to finish the 48 uh looking back on it it's like wow so when i was back in the 90s 
um, you know, I was in the band and I got married and had children and hiking totally disappeared. And what I was thinking about while Mike was talking was it wasn't until my daughters, um, actually agreed to let us take them up Mount Washington for an overnight at Lonesome, no, no, not Lake of the Clouds Hut, um, that, that sort of rekindled my interest in hiking again. And, uh, boy, that's a story unto itself. But, um, um, yeah, then several years later, got busy again. And then Mrs. Stomp and I, um, I think we talked about this pretty openly. We have, we're having some marital troubles and we were at, um, a, uh, an inn in Jackson, New Hampshire. And I said, Hey, do you want to hike up? Uh, a small little hike and it was Glen Boulder, which is like a mile up and it's like a, a, a sub peak of Mount Washington. And that's when she got the bug and, um, the rest is history. So yeah, it's like two years later, I finished my, my 48 list and yeah, it's, it's a long story though. It's like literally decades for me finishing it. And, uh, since then I've fallen, fallen out of the whole list drive. I mean, I've sort of, put my toes in the water for the 52 of the view and the terrifying turn 25. Um, the one that interests me the most, and it's because of my bushwhacking interest is just the 500 highest of New Hampshire. So I'm plucking away at those. I think I'm like around 133 out of 500. And honestly, it's like one of those lists I do not anticipate finishing because right. that's pretty overwhelming. It took me 30 years to do 48. Like how the hell am I going to do 500? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So I don't know. That's pretty much it in a in a nutshell. Yeah, I mean it, it's the the amazing thing is the passion for your mountains. Uh, yeah, just goes beyond what you think it could be. Um, once again, Mike, you said you know the influencers, like the people that you met on the trail, and one of those hikes you might see someone who's older, and that is it's just you know it sounds weird but wise. And you're just like, wow, I want to be the, like this person, you know, I want to know what these peaks are or, you know, what this once was like, I, I hiked with a, with a dude when I was, when I was a little bit younger, you know, that just showed me everything and everything of uh, the trail about all the trails. And I'm just like, wow, this dude is fascinating. I want to be just like him when I get older. And I don't know if that's, you know, the way you felt, you know, you, you met some older guy that was just telling you anything and everything about the trails and everything about his life. And you're just like, damn, this is, this is a damn good life that he's living. <laughs> yeah. I think I, you know, I had a lot of sort of acquaintances that I met over social media and I would meet people on trail as well. And I think one of the lessons I put together when I, I remember when I finished like the big lists, my big reflection was that if you do it right, you would, instead of bagging peaks, you you have this concept of bagging friends. So you pick up new friends along the way. And I think, <laughs> you know, I, and I give Stomp a lot of credit for that because I think for me, I'm probably more, believe it or not, even though I probably have a big mouth, I am sort of more of an, you know, solo hiker, introvert. I definitely, and I'll say hi to people. And more recently, I've I've opened up to sort of you know, starting to make some new friends. Like I met Steve this winter and I've, I've started hiking with, you know, Jake and, and Camilla and Lance. So I met a whole bunch of friends this winter. Part That's of it's cool. by necessity because with winter hiking, like it's just getting to the point where, you know, from a safety perspective, I can't be going out in these wild hikes solo, but also it is nice to sort of share the experience with people and, 
you know, for years I hiked solo and now I see like, you know, I hike with my daughter and I've seen to teach her things, but just to experience it with new friends. And as I'm getting older too, I'm sort of feeling like my kids are starting to get older and they're not going to need us as much. So having mm-hmm. some new friends as I get into my like next phase of life, I guess is, is fun. But um, mm. yeah, I think hiking is a great way to meet people. Matter of fact, I just got done doing a segment of an episode that's going to probably come out in the next couple of weeks on Slasher. That's all about a story about two two guys that met each other on Mount Major randomly and developed a relationship, and they ended up, you know, hiking the single season four thousand footer winter um, winter list this this year. So I kind of you know, went through that and talked to them about their experiences. So when you're out there hiking, like take a chance, say hi to someone. You never know. You might meet your, you know, your next best friend for the rest of your life. Who knows? Mm. So true. It's very positive. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great. So like uh, with you guys being experienced 48, uh, 48ers, uh, any suggestions for beginners? Like, you know, I haven't done a 48er yet. Uh, what would you, I mean, I'm of course experienced with hiking, but what would you have suggestions for 48, 40 people pursuing the 48? I, I always say get the books, you know, get the White Mountain Guide, um, make sure that you read that, get your maps, do some digging on social media, do some digging on the websites like the AMC 4000 footer list, mm-hmm. gather some basic websites. Like I always tell people, like the New England Trail Conditions is a website where you can look at trail information. Um, sectionhiker.com. Uh, Philip Warner does a great job with like gear advice. Um, and then I would say like, if you're looking to network and you're worried about friends, there's the hiking buddies group that we we've talked to them on the show a bunch of times so that you can get to know people and then, you know, just get out there and experience it. You know, you do a little bit of homework, like Mount Pierce is considered like an easier first hike. You can do like the hikes like Mount Tom or um, I don't know, Stomp. What are some other easy four thousand footers? I always, I always just say Pierce, like Jackson's Tecumseh. another one. Tecumseh. Yeah, Tecumseh. Yeah, that, yeah, that's my my thing. It's like start with the lower elevations, regardless of the uh, season you're in. Um, start with lower. You know, don't don't bite off a five thousand footer or six thousand. Uh, just start lower. Start modest, start safer, and you'll learn the tricks of the trade pretty quick if you start low and just build up slowly. You know, one thing that I, I tell a lot of people is uh, that it, sound, it sounds bad, but don't go cheap. Like a lot of the stuff in hiking, you, you go cheap and you'll lose out, uh, you know, like spikes, stuff like that. You get yaks, tracks, or, you know, go with the hill sounds, go with the uh, the Cthulhu's at first. Um mm-hmm snowshoes stuff like that like i know i saw walmart with uh, some actually pretty decent snowshoes with crampons which Mm. was was actually like i was flabbergasted with so (laughs) spend the money on snowshoes you know you might use them one time and not like them but you might use them one time and then love the heck out of them and use them every time Mm. uh that's that's a big uh question in the hiking world is gear what should i spend and uh you know What's your limit also, you know? Mm. It's a big, big question, a big controversy too as well in the hiking. You know what, you know what really, when it comes to gear and, and spending the money where it counts, headlamps. 
you can't get a decent headlamp at some of these, you know, lower uh, priced stores. I think it's better to go with a more expensive headlamp with a name and a, a reputation and like flawless five out of five stars for reviews when it comes to that type of thing. Uh, yeah, snowshoes for sure. You don't want to be up there with a broken snowshoe and tie wrapping your foot down to the, the, the metal tube just so you can get down to safety. So when it comes to that stuff, absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah. And w- when it comes to winter hiking in general, and we've done a couple of shows about sort of intro to winter hiking is the, the, if you can get yourself a mentor or somebody that's experienced, or you can leverage these meetup groups. And again, I don't know what you have in the cat skills, but for us, we have the hiking buddies group that you can network and you can join in. And for the most part, I'd say like 99% of the time people have a positive experience. And a lot of times people will end up sort of making friends through these groups and then, you know, going off and hiking together and, you know, having lifelong friendships. But I think the more that you can get personal advice from people, that's the best way to do it. Because once you validate from somebody that you know, and you trust that has been there and done that, then, you know, your, your self-doubts go away because you've, you've got somebody that knows what they're doing and, Mm -hmm. and they validated it. So the risk of you making a mistake in a gear purchase or, you know, not having the right clothes, it, it's it's lessened quite a bit. And the anxiety of not knowing goes away when you have somebody that you can you can bounce questions off of. Correct. Yeah, well said. Perfect. Yeah. If you have good questions, stated. message our Instagram account. Stomp loves to respond. He does. He does. You know, it's phenomenal. I was just like, you know, Mike's going to respond to all these, but it's always Stomp. I was going to set up a redirect to Stosh. Like, yeah, that's Stosh. <laughs> Oh, I would love to, man. I, I barely get any messages. You guys probably get everything. Oh, please. No, oh. nobody, nobody like, uh, so the Catskills is somewhat <laughs> the, the same way. Of course, we don't have the, the great elevation gains that you guys, we don't have above tree line, but we do have that question of, uh, you know, what should we use right now? Is snowshoes good enough or is spikes good enough? It's yeah. always, it's going to always be that way. And, you know, Doing this podcast, just like you guys, is influences people to do the right thing, you know, to, you know, 36 inches of snow, you're not going to use spikes to go up, you know, a 2,000 foot mountain, you know, a 2,000 gain mountain. Uh, You're going to be using snowshoes, of course, and to spend that money on MSRs or tubs or something like that, it'll be, it'll be worth it. Those things will last almost forever. And if they break, they'll replace it. Like I've Mm -hmm. never had somebody... Uh, say that they've used an MSR snowshoe and, you know, the webbing broke or something like that, that they haven't replaced it for free. True. Yep, so true. People just need to get that in their head that the, the gears are, are worth it. It's definitely worth it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely ridiculous. My freaking dogs are going crazy. Oh, boy. There's a wolf outside. <laughs> well done, Mike. Well done. Well right. Done. All right. So, um, as I'm back. So Mike, have you had any close calls? You know, you've done the 52 with a view. You're getting close to terrifying 25, stuff like that. Have you ever had any close calls on the trail? So I've talked about this a couple of times. We had, um, we had a situation where we did a winter overnight. I did it with my, some of the friends that I've hiked a lot with in the winter and done winter overnights previously. And uh, one of our friends, we were hiking up Mount Carrigan and we had to break trail. It was a long day. There's a road, there's a road walk that's like two miles that adds to the trail, maybe a little bit over two miles. And we had our friend um, experience hypothermia. So we did have to 
you know, there was a point in that situation where we had to make the decision to say like, okay, is somebody going to start hiking out or are we going to hike back up on the mountain to get cell connection to call for someone to get there? And we were having, you know, pretty serious discussions about what to do. Luckily, we were able to heat some water up and some food and our friend was able to recover from hypothermia. So that was a scary situation. Uh, Other than that, Really, the only other scary situations I've had is I've multiple times I've had ankle twists where I've sat there and said like, okay, is <laughs> yeah. is this serious or is this just a tweak? And every time it's been a tweak, I've fallen at the bottom of Huntington Ravine and hurt my wrist pretty bad, but was able to just finish the hike up. But that's that's about it that I can remember. Well, that's some uh, some good times, you know. Like the hypothermia stuff is 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 crazy. It's very scary, you know. These people could get out of control in a second, you know. Could go sideways in in a very short amount of time. So that's oh, yeah. very crazy. He was stuff. beyond sideways in in a situation where we were seriously like unsure about survival. So it was it was pretty scary. But the nice thing is, is that like the lesson learned is the time it took us to heat the liquid up to get into him in order for him to f- start feeling a little bit better. You know, the lesson for me was like, I do not, I don't go out in the winter unless I have a thermos of hot liquid sitting there. So that's again, so that's like my 12th essential. So we talk about the, the, the split. <laughs> yeah. Hot liquid in the winter conditions. And again, a lot of times I don't even drink it. It's just there in case I run into someone that's in trouble or, I, I'm not feeling great, then, you know, I can have that. But that was the big the big lesson is if you're winter hiking, bring that thermos, even though, yeah, it's going to carry an extra two pounds in your pack, but it could save a life. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, it's what sucks is with me, with the, the Catskills, I got to travel an hour and a half to get to some certain peak. So keeping that thermos warm. Uh, once you get up to the top, it's, it's, it's lukewarm, but it's still there to, to help you. But, um, keeping it like really warm kind of sucks. But, you know, in that time, it probably, you could reheat it in, uh, instead of, you know, like, like 15 minutes, it could heat it in five minutes and that person will be saved from hypothermia. Yeah. And I actually, I haven't had any issues with it getting cooling off. Like I have a nice vacuum thermos brand thermos that I use and typically like I'll load that up at like if I leave my house at 4:30 in the morning I get on trail by 6:37 even by noontime it's still piping hot in that oh, so nice. I have a pretty nice thermos it's it's heavy but it it does the job send me the link to what that is yeah, because I will yeah you know, I have I have an old Stanley thing so it's probably like 20 pounds heavier <laughs> yeah you got to use the it's like a vacuum um it's it's got two screw on so I'll I'll send you the details Sweet. Thank you. Um, Stomp, what about you? Any close calls while on the trails? Oh, my God. Too many. Um, that, that's a long <laughs> part of my story. I think when I was, you know, back in the the 90s and early 2000s, I was out there doing stupid long traverses and just going out there without uh, headlamps, just, you know, in the vigor of youth, just the the stupidity of youth, just ignorance, just doing things that you think you're, you know, uh, going to overcome even in the worst cases, I'll be fine. So yeah, I made a lot of stupid mistakes. Um, one in particular, I won't give the location, but I, uh, I did, did this long bushwhack in, um, uh, win- wintry conditions with 
sort of like the thermal running pants on that I would use for running. And it was early spring, but yet there was still a ton of snow. When I got to the summit of this location, um, I opened my pack to put on my warm pants and my warm pants weren't in there. So I actually ended up having pretty significant muscle spasms um, where I was sweating it thinking, man, I could be in big trouble right here. I was probably maybe half a mile from a trailhead. I knew where I had to go, but my body was saying, you're not going anywhere. So it's just those stupid mistakes that you make that are huge lessons. And, you know, looking back on it now, I just can't stress how important it is to be prepared and to have everything you need in there for a 24 hour sit down, wait, uh, whatever it may be, but just be prepared for the worst. That's why I carry so much crap in my pack. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, dude, I'm with you. Um, I haven't had a a close call on the trail, which is, which is crazy, but you know, we also don't have the open summits like you guys do. And that's, Mm -hmm. you know, once you get above tree line, I've been in the the Canadian Rockies and stuff like that. It's a whole nother story. It's, Mm -hmm. It's definitely a beast oh. up there, but you know, sometimes, yeah. like you, you said, I've had a, a listener on here come on and, you know, they were doing a hike, you know, that was like 12 miles long and nine miles in. They're like, it's getting dark. We're mm-hmm. not going to make it to the next peak. We got to set up a shelter. And, you know, they did. They were prepared. They were, you know, packed the right things and they survived and they completed their through hike that they didn't expect would be a through hike. So. Yeah. Carrying that, that extra shit, like, like you said, Mike, the 10 essentials, uh, it's going to become a 12 essentials. Now I think slasher should start promoting that. And dude, <laughs> that copyright that shit, as we know from the past, <laughs> yeah, I the won't past couple episodes with me at all doing that. <laughs> File that paperwork stomp. Yeah. Yes. See what I can do. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to bury the hatchet with that. I couldn't do it. So, um, <laughs> damn. Um, so Stomp, uh, me and you bushwhackers alike. So what got you into bushwhacking? Mm, that's a good question. I think the, the easiest answer to that is, you know, when I would be, uh, tackling the 48, uh, my eye would wander and catch, you know, just cliff faces and, slides and things that ended up not necessarily being on trail or local to a trail. So I I think that's really it. And even things like, you know, driving north to a 48, uh, 4,000 footer trailhead, I would notice things in the notch, Franconia notch that ended up not being on trail and I wanted to go see them. And I think that it's as easy as that. And once I started doing that, that's what really hooked me. Uh, just the, um, the opportunities to see new places that may be difficult to get to, but would be a super payoff when you got there. So, um, and from there you, you get hooked. It's a drug because it's just, you know, learn, it's a whole other, uh, experience. You have to know how to read the topography, how to, you know, um, avoid obstacles that, you may not see immediately, but they're a quarter mile away. And you, you, over time, you know, they're there like cliff faces or bogs or whatever. So it's, it's a really neat experience. And, um, yeah, it's been awesome. And 
you know, for me personally, I do like uh, to avoid people when I bushwhack uh, or, <laughs> or when I hike in general. Sorry. Um, so that was a big part as, of it as well. I love the solitude, which is harder to find on the, the more popular trails these days. On any trail these days, actually, you know. Yeah, for sure. I mean, with you guys, you got you got a, you got a widespread of uh, of trails and stuff like that. I don't know how many miles you got of trails, but um, mm-hmm. a lot of people like to stay. Of course, a lot of people like to stick to the list. Yeah. But there's so much out there that's beyond the list, you know. With the 3500, you know, there's the the 420 grid. Of course, everybody does that. Um, but you know, the Catskills All Trail Challenge we have out here leads mm-hmm. you to places that you wouldn't believe that have old monuments of of hotels that were were built in the back in the 1800s. You know, you guys probably have that up there too as well. Like mm-hmm. crazy history oh, stuff. Yeah. I mean, I remember your your one of your podcasts was uh one of your episodes was about uh, like historic trails. You know that you could follow. It's incredible stuff. Yeah, abandoned, long forgotten trails. There's a ton. Yeah, it's yeah. it's it's fantastic. Bushwalking is one of my favorite. You know, with me being the plane crash guy, uh, there's no plane crashes. There's very few that are on the trails, and going into that back country to find the middle of absolute nowhere, nine miles off trails, is mm-hmm. just is solitude galore. It's just phenomenal. <laughs> Aren't. So, uh, Mike, what is your favorite hike in the New Hampshire area? Um, I typically say the bald face circle, which is up in a section that's a little bit quieter. It's called Evans notch, uh, which is over in the, it like borders the, uh, main Western Maine. So it's pretty close to where my father-in-law's house is. So it's nice to get up into Evans notch. And the nice thing about the bald faces is that it's like a significant amount of time above tree line, Um, and again, it's remote, but it's got this cool rock scramble and it's got these awesome views and uh, yeah, I like that. And then I would say the other place that I really actually like is the Northern part of the Appalachian trail in New Hampshire. So from like rattle river, as it crosses the street up to like Mount success and gentian pond and that whole area heading up into Grafton notch is really cool too. And again, it's like a not as crowded and it's just awesome views. And, and I think a lot of people sleep on that. I think a lot of people sleep on Evans Notch because it's kind of out of the way and they miss a ton of great hikes. And then I think a lot of people kind of miss that northern part of the Appalachian Trail yeah. just because they don't think of that in terms of like the core whites because there's no 4,000 footers close by. That's uh that's awesome. Uh, and and I, I just like to say to, to bring people away from those those 48ers and stuff like that, 35ers. <laughs> That's why I'm doing this podcast, to get everybody away from the Catskills and go up to you guys. Yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely places you can go where there's crowds. And That's we awesome. do the same thing. We'll tell people, like, you know, here's where you can go to avoid crowds. Like, I think, you know, there's like eight eight mountains that everyone goes to all the time. And if you can avoid those in the New Hampshire, you can, you can pretty much avoid crowds. Yeah. There's definitely so much up there. Stomp, what about you, buddy? Oh, man. I, there, there's a sizable crowd of people that probably hate me for revealing the um, Tecumseh to Welch Dickey Grand Traverse. But I did that and I take the heat for that. It's uh, I'm drawn to these abandoned trails that are more 
herd path than trail, but they were originally trail. So the Grand Traverse is my number one favorite. It's about six miles and it runs from um, Welch Dickey, which is a super, super popular uh, 2000, 3000 foot trail, you know, two peaks and, um, just runs along these beautiful narrow paths with lush greens and you just can't, can't beat it. It's amazing. Um, that is my number one pick for sure. Uh, my second pick would be, um, probably like goose eye, which is, you know, I'll, I'll develop a whole other group of people that hate me for saying this, but goose eye is a great sample of the Mahusik range. So it sort of puts you in the middle of the heat and it gives you advantage of, um, Maine and Northern New Hampshire, just the border. The Mahusik is incredible. And when you go to Goose Eye, you realize that it is a hidden secret and people are taking care of it because it is very special. Oh, it's amazing. So, yeah. It's, it's unbelievable. So yeah, those are my two faves. Uh, it's, third place if i can have a third place would be algonquin trail which is right here in waterville valley uh which runs off of sandwich notch road to sandwich dome another i don't want to say it's abandoned but it's it's a quasi abandoned trail because it's so rarely frequented uh it's just hard to get to it's a long car spot so um yeah nice yeah now i've been to uh walt sticky actually i did that when I was back in New Hampshire, that was a phenomenal hike. Beautiful view. It's, it's amazing. Never gets old. It's, yeah, it's incredible. It's got a view of, uh, if I'm correct, the Tri-Pyramids, right? It does. It does, okay, for sure. Okay. Someone, yeah. I know my, my someone, someone of New Hampshire. All right, all yeah. right. Yeah, from certain areas, you can see Franconia Notch. You can see Musilak. I mean, th- as you do the horseshoe... Uh, counterclockwise, you, you can see pretty much most of the major parts of the whites. You don't get a view of, say, Mount Washington, but, um, what's neat about Welch Dickey is you get the feeling that you're on a higher elevation. That, that yeah. I think is the magic of Welch Dickey. Um, and it's not, it's like a 2,500 foot to 3K, uh, journey. It's neat. Yeah, it's definitely, uh, I, I thought it was fun. We met some great people up there. They actually, uh, two ladies told us to drive the kink and, uh, we definitely drove it mm-hmm. and went around in the, in the Tesla, by the way. That was fine. <laughs> didn't catch on fire. Didn't catch on fire. <laughs> That's good. Oh boy. Oh. So, so, uh, any future plans for, uh, slasher, uh, podcast, slasher podcast? Hmm. I would talk to the inventor. What do you think, Mike? Big plan. I would say, you know, we're going to continue to, and we've taken a little bit of a break on guests just because it's just logistically, we, we wanted to clean up some of the old episodes and then logistically with guests, we want to make sure that we've got our recording down and it, it's a lot on Stomp to do the edits for those. So I would say we're going to pick up a lot more guests. I would say that, you know, we'll continue to focus on you know, hiking, I think we'll expand a little bit of history. There's a couple of unsolved mysteries that I really want to keep the focus on. Like last week, we did a little bit more of a deep dive on a missing hiker from 1983 that was never found. I want to keep going on that and make sure that I get the message out about uh, Michael Miller, who's been missing, like I said, since 1983. And, you know, I think that we'll probably have some additional surprises. But I think for us, like hiking, history, unsolved mysteries, cool guests. That'll be, that'll be the focus. Mm. Okay. 
Sounds good. Yeah, with a sprinkle of, say, short little reels and this and that. Um, I mean, it would be nice to expand our reach. And when we say that, uh, I think that means drawing drawing in younger generations or people that may not be exposed to some of uh, the video content platforms and this and that. So that's where Lynn Sweezy comes in and she's helping out quite a bit with that. So more reels, shorter content, but to the point. And yeah, we'll see. Um, theater, theater of the mind stuff. I really do appreciate when, uh, Mike and I just talk about a hike or, uh, like for instance, last episode was Franconia Ridge. So we spent a good deal of time just talking about a trail system. I mean, I just think that's magical. And I think a lot of hikers can really just sit back and close their eyes and think about it. Or when they're, I think of many of our listeners drive to their trailheads and they listen to us and we're just talking about the trails and they can just zone out and get through that drive to the trailhead with us uh, just yapping on about things. So that, that's pretty cool. So yeah, just more basic content, just talking about the mountains. Yeah. I'm seriously jealous of your guys. as uh charisma and stuff like that, uh, that you have with the, the white mountains. I'm definitely, uh, I listen to you guys all the time and it's, and it's a great time. It's one of the, I only listen to like, like two podcasts. I think it's you and I listen to a Sharon Noble Cop podcast. <laughs> Very different. <laughs> that, that broke right. up. So what I heard was I only listen to you and a Chernobyl podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Was, did you say Chernobyl? Yep. Oh, really? Wow. Tell me about that. I need to know. <laughs> um, it's, it's a basically a documentary on, on Chernobyl. What, uh, happened, uh, behind the scenes stuff. Oh, it's fascinating. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's definitely deep dive into Chernobyl and what you didn't expect, uh, would happen or what happened basically. And, and mm. it's just, it's very crazy. I'll have to, I'll have to send you the link. It's just, yeah, please do. Yeah. It's funny because my wife's a huge share fan. So I'm like, did he, what, did he just say? Share or share? And <laughs> share, share, nice. Um, so, stomp really quick. Uh, you're a physical therapist. Yeah. What are your some of your suggestions to help out yourself on the trail? Like, uh, let's say before or and after a hike. Hmm. Well, before, I mean, hiking is if if you haven't hiked, then you have to start small and easy, and um, to avoid injury, I think. Having a strong body, a body that's used to different activities, you know, cross training, uh, mixing up your activities. Um, people get in trouble if they just do one activity over and over and over. You can get stress injuries and things like that. So, um, certainly mixing up your activities and, and again, starting small. If you're a new hiker, just don't try to tackle large ones. You're going to get injured. You're going to be sore. You're going to be dealing with strained ligaments and tendons. So just start small and build up easy. Um, nutrition's great. Post hike. Um, that's where the flexibility comes in. Um, if you're really suffering after a hike, if you're a new hiker, just gentle massage, ice, uh, gentle stretching. That's the way to go. Uh, pre hike. I was thinking about this, looking at your script earlier and there's, sort of like a back and forth about this in terms of whether to stretch before activity or not. And um, 
there are some studies out there that say that stretching when you're cold, when you haven't even started, you know, stretching first before you even start moving is the way to go. And um, I sort of butt heads with that idea. And I think the way to start your hike is to just start going nice and slow and easy, warm up, do your hike. And then when you're done, stretch out fully. Um, as I get older, I realize that flexibility and strength are key. Uh, but even more so flexibility as you get older. You just need that flexible um, muscle length to avoid injury. Um, I don't know. That's a, this is a whole other episode, Stosh. Hope yeah, I right. answered it, your question. But <laughs> you, you guys need to do an episode on this because it's a, it's a big topic, you know. Um, yeah. Like post-injuries of just not, not saying overworking yourself, but kind of not stretching yourself uh, either mm-hmm. beforehand or afterhand. You guys need to probably – throw up on this and do an episode. Yeah, I can throw up on that. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right. So we're, we're entering the, that's a freaking long ass one, two hours and 17 minutes. Jesus. Um, yeah, it's all good. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I do a, a thing in the Catskills called post hike bruise and bites. My friend, Mary, uh, made this suggestion. So when you're up in New Hampshire, uh, what do you guys suggest to go to eat besides the place that you suggest every day on the, the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> the pizza place. <laughs> and reckless, of course. <laughs> reckless. Yeah, for sure. Oh, Mike, you, why don't you cover the, the eastern side of the state and I'll cover this side of the state, the western side. Nice. Yeah, I would say, I mean, in Conway, so like the eastern side is like kind of Conway, New Hampshire, North Conway. I always love um, the Moat Mountain Brewery and, you know, they have great food there. It's a great place to go. Uh, but I also, I'm a huge fan of Dairy Queen after my hikes. I love the Dairy Queen. There's one in um, Glen and then there's one in North Conway. So either way, whether I sit down and I get in like a nice burger plate and a beer at Moat Mountain or I go and get a giant Oreo cookie blizzard at Dairy Queen. Either one doesn't, you know, I I could take either one. Nice. Stomp. What about you, buddy? Yeah. I mean, locally, if you're looking for a Mai Tai Fugaki on Tenny Mountain Drive is the place to go. But, um, honestly, the common man chain is not too bad. It's really decent. There are, are a couple that, um, are more diner esque that you can go in and get your Reuben or, you know, meatloaf or 24 seven breakfast. I mean, it's incredible. Uh, there's one on exit 20 off of exit 23 as you're heading to Meredith. It's a diner that would blow your mind. So just the old classic diner food. It's so great. Uh, the Italian oh, yeah. farmhouse that I mentioned that. Yeah. That's yeah, one of the, that's that. common man. Yep. Yeah, common. Yeah. So good. Nice. All right, I'll tag these in the show notes, man, to get people when they go up there. So, yeah. um, Mike and Stomp, thank you for uh, joining me on the show. I really appreciate it, uh, taking your two and a half hours out of, of your life to talk on my horrible show. Oh, please. Did you guys ever think that you would get this big to talk on my show? Dude, I'm honored. We're Dude, this is, this is why you're the lead up to 100. You're, you're killing it. So just hang in there and keep on doing what you're doing. Hey, it's 69. I'm, I'm proud to have you guys on episode 69. That's just, that just <laughs> couldn't believe this happened. <laughs> yeah. So, um, thank you guys. Thank you to the monthly supporters. Uh, thank you to everyone who has donated. Uh, 
Thank you to everyone who's listened to both my podcast and Sounds Like a Search and Rescue podcast. We really appreciate it. We hope to get the word out of uh, just general hiking uh, ideas and then the fun of hiking. So, Mike Stomp, thank you guys for joining me on the show. Uh, hope you have a great night. You too, brother. Hey, guys, I just want to thank you for listening to the show. If you enjoyed the show, subscribe and throw down a smooth review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any podcast platform that you use. You can also check daily updates of the podcast, hikes, hiking memes, and local news on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and the official website of the show. Remember this, you just keep on living, man. L-I-V-I-N. Wicked, 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 wicked.